Welcome to the Outer Realm with Michelle DeRoche and Amelia Passano. Airing live on the United Public Radio Network, 105.3 FM in New Orleans. Good evening, everyone. Welcome to the Wednesday night segment of The Outer Realm. We're broadcasting live on the United Public Radio Network, UFO Paranormal Radio Network, 105.3 and 107.7 FM from New Orleans. We're fully sponsored by the amazing people over at Folgers Coffee who have been a part of our journey since the very beginning. And that's like probably about four years worth of beginning. So mm -hmm. we thank you, Folgers, Amelia and I, Appreciate you so much, and it just wouldn't be the same without you. Also, big thank you to Dr. Snick, a.k.a. Justin Snicker, the sonic surgeon, for his contribution of his time, his music, and his voice for our intro that you just heard. He's an award-winning composer of Halloween, ooh, horror, sci-fi, and dark wave <laughs> electronic music all year round, yes. And it's available on any of your favorite music streaming platforms, so check him out. Also, big thank you to... Steve McGinnis, the artist behind the banners and logos here at the show. Check him out on Facebook and Instagram. Also specializes in the horror genre. And he's quite busy this time of year doing phenomenal commission pieces as well. So tonight, we welcome Ryan Peterson, the author of The Final Nephilim and The Judgment of the Nephilim. Um, basically, we're going to be covering things like who are the main characters, you know, of the Old and New Testaments. He's going to answer a lot of questions about uh, some of this stuff. And are these people still around? Maybe just role-playing, heads of government, things like that. I don't know. But in order to participate, you guys are going to have to come into, you know, our regular chat rooms. You know the drill, right? You know the drill. And uh, we're going to wait for our guests to come up. We're going to play his documentary trailer. And, uh, you know, it's, it's going to be really interesting. I, I've watched the documentary. It's, it's, it's fabulous. He's extremely knowledgeable and um, very versed. He's very versed. I, I don't think I've ever seen it. Well, I mean, I have periodically, but he can quote scriptures and stuff like bam, bam, bam. And that's kind of cool because I can't quote one. <laughs> no. So anyway, but people are chiming in. Look who's like first on the docket tonight. Hey, yeah. makes it. Mark Eddie, hello, hello. Tamara, hello. Yeah, everybody's going to slowly start chiming in. It's going to be good. I see like the different mm -hmm. chat rooms are are filling up slowly, so that will be good. And looking forward to having him on. Be very cool. So he's got this very melodic type of voice. It's just very relaxing and soothing. Oh, just my dad was like that. I like it. My father's was like just zen. He was always calm and talking like this, and it didn't matter if he was in a hurry. I love it. Just I always know. talk like this. And it's like, <laughs> even if he was angry, he never raised his voice. Right. Ever. See, I like that. Hey, Susan. Yeah. 
I didn't take after him. (laughs) Took after my mom. (laughs) I know. I know. I know. You know, I think that's, I don't know. I look like him, but that's where it stops. I'm the only child out of five that looks like him. But um, the rest look like my mom. But yeah, (laughs) that voice is soothing. I miss that voice. Yeah. I like the calm. My daughter is very funny because she talks very low and calm. But you can tell when she's on a professional call or if she's agitated because I'm very... I can be pretty robust in my speech, which comes from a lot of public speaking, I guess. Yes. But she's very, very quiet. And she's very tiny. And all yeah. of a sudden, from the other room, you hear, bah, bah, bah. I was just like, oh, peanuts, Matt. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, it's just this very big voice that comes out of this little teensy little person. Yeah, it's hard to believe because she's so tiny. She is really Sabrina, yeah, Sabrina's soft-spoken, too. I call her mumbles because I can never understand it's what she's saying. Same. It's yeah, I'm like mumbles. I'm I have her hearing check. No, you just need to speak the hell up. No, I think it's because we're so loud. They're quiet. It's a I generation, think that's why. I, think. I don't know. My I, mother I was loud. I'm saying so. <laughs> I, my mother was loud. My brothers are, are soft-spoken. Not too. my youngest brother. Sorry, Fernando. You're not soft-spoken. Yeah. Um, But the other two, yeah. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> so, I know we're just waiting on our guests while we're while we're easy now. So, just, just I mean, we've all heard of the, the the nephilim or nephilim as he calls them. Um, pretty much giants. We've talked a lot about giants on the show um, in the last probably handful of months. They just seem to be yeah. coming up more and more. You know, there's discoveries, um, and not just like they're finding giants, but they're they're essentially just finding a lot of, you know, um, I guess ancient artifacts or finding locations are surfacing that just seem like out of place with respects to size and things along those lines. And there's a lot of research going into this, but we don't really think about it with respects to going back to biblical times. But when you think about it, David and Goliath, you know, there's one. um, Tamara brought up a point last week. I believe it was Tamara because she always has like right at the tip of her head. She's incredible. Um, About how the Marines have come back from wars and have sightings, but they always get as they always get dismissed as PTSD. So it's easy, easily dismissed, which is terrible because they probably really are seeing something. Well, out in the Middle East, especially out yeah. out that way, there there have been sightings. We and I remember height. reading about that, about them. I think they actually took one down. Yeah, it's very it was easy. very yes. aggressive, yes. apparently. Yes. But I mean I mean, was it aggressive or were they just terrified and started shooting and asked questions later? I don't know, but I, I think as if you put yourself in their position, not that you ever really, really fully could, but put yourself in their position where they're, they're fighting a war and all of a sudden, you know, this giant with some beans comes out of the desert sand. Like (laughs) I can understand why people would be skeptical and say it's PTSD, it's stress and why they would start shooting because it's something they don't know what it is. They're like, what the hell? Right. 
Most people in the Marines are, they're not studying about Nephilim and. Well, no, because I mean, Nephilim is, is pretty much a, a Christian, a Christian term. I think it's the only place I've technically seen it. I mean, otherwise they, they, they just basically call them what they are giants, yeah. you know, I see right here. Yeah. Oh, reports of red giants eating soldiers. See like red, like they're red skinned, red skin, red hair. What is it exactly? And where know. do you remember Tamara where that was? Hmm. And, and when <laughs> most importantly, <Yeah>. when, <laughs> when would be good. When and well, where? <laughs> it's not like we're ever lacking in the WAR department. I don't want to say words that are going to get flagged, especially at a time like this. Yeah, um, I'm with so on that. What about the friendly giant? Yeah, I liked him. <laughs> you know, like I said, this one could have been carrying beans, but they didn't see it. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know, man. All I know is that we are we're coming, I think, to a point in time where the earth is giving up or the planet is giving up her secrets, you know, with the technology we have, like such as LIDAR, you know, they're going over, they're able to look through large, dense forest canopies. They're able to look, you know, through landscapes that have long since been buried over mm -hmm. and they're finding these places well, they could see long before they told us they could i so. completely agree with you and then you're mm -hmm. looking at look about all these mounds that are out there serpent mounds and such there's some of them like i know in upstate new york because a friend of mine studied mounds and they're not allowed to touch them they're not allowed to do anything with them and there are museums yeah. that actually show giants in the museum so they do definitely discuss them, right? So the definition, of course, of the Nephilim are the fallen ones, the watchers. You know, logic says, yes, giants. But I think, you know, Ryan will get into where do they all come from? Well, what happened? Years. Why? You know, 10 That's years a whole ago. whole different war. Red hair yeah. giants. Mm. But you see, it's it's the area again. You're looking, let's think back, even when you're talking about the times of, even in Iran, you know, it, there, I, I don't want to get into flagging a bunch of names on YouTube, no. but, but even, even the dictator at the time that they, they took down, or Iraq, sorry, um, he was very active in archaeology. Like he was very interested in finding ancient sites. You know, maybe he wanted to see, you know, wealth. Who knows? I'm sure there was something attached to it. But apparently had a very healthy interest. Unlike a lot of countries that are a little bit, you know, a lot of these type of countries. And again, I don't want to get political. <clears throat> no, where they want, to history they want to destroy the past. You yeah. know, they don't necessarily want to, to bring it to the forefront and, and go against maybe some of the teaching or upbringing that may have, you know, like their, their own traditions. Mm -hmm. Right. So I think that's pretty cool, but it falls into in and around this area. Right. Friend yeah. or foe. Yeah. Yeah. Because during wartime, all you were looking for is friend or foe. Exactly. And if something comes at you that large, mm -hmm. you're going to shoot, especially if you've been there for a long time. I mean, if you, 
pay attention if you've ever seen um deliver us from evil the story uh that ralph sarchi told about how he was a homicide detective and you see the story of the marines that come back and they come back possessed right they opened up a cave they weren't supposed to be in and they were looking for someone else <laughs> who was sacrificed there so when you see that you can understand that why wouldn't this be a possibility mm -hmm. and why is it because these lands are so ancient that's why they're mm -hmm. so ancient that's mm -hmm. why there's ancient beings there but don't think that they can't travel so well especially when you have that kind of a wide <laughs> step you know, well like, that and but, i mean like like demonic spirits and things like that they travel well, dimensionally yeah. speaking yeah as well there's a portal there's portals so you know i i think about i remember i told you about the pope's exorcist how he says 200 were uh were sent to earth to be punished mm -hmm. and they had one and then mm -hmm. 199 were to be found now that's father gabriel more now mm -hmm. that didn't mean they all went to the united states <laughs> meant no it's an yeah. international thing. And where there are one, there are many. If you haven't learned that from us, mm -hmm. you're not, you haven't been listening to the show. Well, I, I yeah. yeah. I, I mean, I, I think anybody, um, you've even heard Lorraine Warren talk about Legion. You've heard about many exorcists talk about Legion as well. Any hardcore, mm -hmm. I think, researchers, there's just so, you're not going to have just one. You know, I don't think these guys are going to do a lot. Um, a lot of bit you know the, the dirty work themselves so to speak but again we're making a lot of a lot of um assumptions as to how the whole system works unfortunately i think we know very very little about how it all works i mean you know it's it's it's, it's warfare any way you look at it mm -hmm. and i think with that being said um you know ryan will be you know instrumental in talking about that part of it this this is just so everybody knows as well a lot of this is going to come from the biblical part of all of this because essentially this is what people think the nephilim are they are fallen angels that procreated you know fallen angels who came and procreated with the daughters of man as they say and they had these offspring called nephilim these giants so this is, be prepared. This is what this is essentially going to be about. And it's going to be, you know, a lot of, a lot of, of scriptures and things of that nature, but it's fascinating. Be a lot of controversy with it too, because scripture from which book, scripture from which Bible. Mm. So well, everybody's entitled to their own opinions and thoughts. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, it, it, it stands. It's, it's a, it's a big Christian a big Christian thing. So, of course, this is the standpoint or the way you have to come from it. But it's always been fascinating to me only because of the fact that you do have these little questions. Well, how can that happen? <laughs> right? Being one yeah. of them. How could that happen for real? It's just like, well, okay. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. Good point. Good point. You know, or things, um, you know. <sighs> what I'm you always open to anything listening wise. Like I'm always open. Everything to me is knowledge. It's always a learning experience. There are people who spend a lot of time researching this 
you know, well, this sort of thing for sure. I mean, I've, I've, yeah. I've there's all kinds of books written on on this sort of thing. But when somebody takes the time to spend years and years researching and writing about it and talking about it, um, I'm always curious to see what they have to say because it's a constant evolution of knowledge. Mm-hmm. Right. So, and we are still waiting. <laughs> Just saying. We are still waiting. Um, I'm really hoping he can connect. <laughs> well, Otherwise, I think he would have. <laughs> yeah, he would have. He would have contacted you if he couldn't. I would think so. Yeah, yeah. I would think so. Um, hey, Chris. I've Hi, got Chris, his don't agent worry. on it. I've got his agent on it. We'll see. <laughs> but, yeah. yeah. But um, I think Chris, you know, if 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 you know Ryan makes it, which I hope he will, I think this will be right up your alley. This is probably the show you've been waiting for without <laughs> me giving it all away. <laughs> so, uh, Wayne. Uh, Wayne says, from the, what I understand through my research on the fallen ones, I am understanding that they can take on the image of anything they wish. He's continuing it. We'll wait for that. Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, I agree. Your quiche. Okay. I'm coming. <laughs> <laughs> I'll but eat anything. Yeah. I, I think if you are um, an interdimensional or dimensional being, which yeah. is what the fallen ones, they are. So they're angels, right? Mm -hmm. they're, they're not of this, this place, but they are a creation nonetheless. So with that, so with that being said, we are to assume that they can project, can they shape shift? Or can they project anything that they want us to see? I believe that they absolutely can. So, and then Wayne goes on to say. The first one of these fallen ones had attributes of both the human female and the fallen angel. What? Sorry, I missed something. Okay, both the first the one of the fallen female. ones had attributes of both the mother being the human female yeah. and the fallen angelic, angelic beings. beings. Okay, sorry. Yeah, yeah, I, I I absolutely agree on that as well. So only, well, I mean, I don't know. When you look, you know, we've showed pictures before, okay, of what real archangels are supposed to look like. Okay, I'm gonna look. I'm gonna look. Bear with me, okay? Because I, um, there's a lot of. I, I, I want to see how this is a thing. Hold on, real. Okay, I, so for because not everybody knows. Um, not everybody knows. Apparently, we have our own visions, right? And, but apparently, they can be pretty, not what you think. Um, yeah, I see a lot of blonde archangels, and the only one who's blonde to me is Haniel. Okay, hold on. All right. Okay, where did this guy go? Where did this guy go? Come on now. I completely lost it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so let me just come in. I'm going to screen share. Okay, one minute. I have to, I'm going to stop this screen because I'm going to present another one. Okay, and this is what apparently. I'll have to do it in another one now. Ah, bear with me. Okay. It's okay. Someone in my um, house just made coffee, and I'm like, 
You're smelling it? That's hard. <laughs> it's hard, isn't it? Okay. Yeah. Let me just get up another um, another screen here so I can actually share. Okay, hold on. Because when you see this, it makes you wonder how, how the heck does one look like this? Okay, one minute. Okay, no, not what I want. I, I, you know, and this is apparently, this is a, a, a description. I'm just going to try to go through different ones here. Okay, here's a good one. Okay, here we <laughs> Probably go. Probably is Folgers Coffee, Wayne. <laughs> <laughs> okay, hold on. One minute, one minute. Bam, bam, bam. Okay, here we go. So this guy right here. This is apparently what funny kinds of look kind of looks alien, doesn't he? Right? Like, I mean, I'm just kind of wondering how does how do we get giants out of this? How do we I mean see? This is what apparently Maybe real the, archangels look like. Their height, the biblical and, ones. Yeah. Their height and see to me that reminds me eyes. of stuff that you see on a, on uh, Arrival, the film Arrival. They look like giant octopuses. Like they look like a octopi. Big sorry, they look like a big moth. I'm sorry, but <laughs> no, no. I'm saying from the film Arrival when she goes to co to communicate with them, and you see them and they have suction cups on their hands and they're making the. They look like them. Yeah, I mean, when you start getting into some of these. Okay, the middle one looks like a tarot card, but that well, one. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, I think they're just trying to just, you know, the gist yeah. of it is how do you Beautiful. get, look at I me, mean, all the eyes. How do you, how yeah, do Yeah, I would be afraid of that. Well, yeah, but how do we, you know, when we look at, when we look at that, and that's apparently what a real archangel looks like, a fallen one. Fallen angels. Okay. Not yeah. archangels. No, I know not archangels. They fallen wouldn't be angels. archangels if they did. Right. But again, still angel. This is what I can't depict of yeah. angels. It says here, this is one of the, hold on, let me bring it up. I'm not just saying. This is one of the biblical depictions of angels and heavenly beings. This angel in particular, let me see if I can open this up. Um, okay, visit. Hold on. Let's see what he says. Okay. Is there any information that I can take? See, oh, is known as the seraphim. So because of all the wings. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, aren't they nasty though? Most most artwork will show them at least with like with, with a body. Yeah, and they show so, them in gold, which is hilarious because aren't they nasty? Yeah. Okay, so sorry, because I'm sure you can hear me right now, but yeah, just, you have a bad okay. reputation. Okay, so we're just going to come up here okay. and stop sure. this one. Sure, I can okay. read this one. As to the idea, this is Wayne Mallow speaking, as to the idea of being giants, it's possible that it's taken out of context in that these beings are smarter, stronger, and have higher technology, so they would be seen as giants among men. That's possible yeah okay so are we to okay we'll, we'll take this in a little bit of a, of a different direction because this looks like we're it's looking like it might be turning <laughs> to, to be a, an open mic here um Ooh. 
um so okay so basically then are we talking maybe are they a form of of another race et I gotta find the muppet that yeah. sort of thing are we looking at that perhaps oh stone hobbit how are you um she said let me i'm gonna pull that one a little bit closer to me yeah yeah um okay stone hobbit hello my darling says my light being came in as a ball of orange energy then morphed into human form then morphed into two beings back into one and then took on skin texture shoulders to eyebrows oh so maybe there is a lot to say about how they reflect themselves on to make you comfortable mm -hmm. you know right so. the god's guides etc often are 10 feet tall similar ideas oh, yeah 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 i mean hmm. it's a tough one it's a tough one because it's like anything else everything you know it, it's 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 hypothetical we don't really know we know what's yeah. in the scriptures but again when you think about there's still i mean old testament you know they were still written by by man so when I look at even in the book of Ezekiel has some of this stuff in there. It's like mm. you look at the stories of Ezekiel's wheel. I mean, it's full on extraterrestrial experience. Well, we also presume that the Vatican's got this in their vaults as well. Well, for sure they do. Yeah. Inc including alien technology, alien skull. They've got that. They've already, it's already been confessed to, you know, so. That makes sense. So once you know energy, you could take on any form, tall, short, wings, hooves. It's just it's just alarming to see what mm -hmm. people have seen the mask because those are ob obviously visions that people have had and drawn, right? Mm -hmm. Exactly. So, exactly. Yeah. So let's hypothetically say that, you know, that we're dealing with Nephilim as giants, a lot of people look at them as, you know, if you go into even a book of demonic dictionary of the demonic, you have entities there that are allegedly the Nephilim, mm -hmm. you know, Asmodeus is a big one. They, they have <sighs> and it. that's the first one yeah. that they mention with Father and Mother. See, well... I mean, if you I think look, that's, you I think that movie, was an entertainment value. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that could be just a little too. I I find that. I mean, although in the film they show that he was in life chased by this demonic entity, mm. followed, right, ever present, right, right. But I yeah, yeah. I I mean, I think this is the easiest one. He seems to be. And going back into my own experiences and working with families and individuals who have had attachments or who have brought something into the house, he seems to be a popular one for, for whatever reason. And also, if you go to a place like Rennes-le-Chateau in the south of France. Oh, I dream like Reno. Reno. Right? I'm like, Nevada? <laughs> this was okay. going through my head. Okay. Rennes-le-Chateau, 
Okay. The demon Asmodeus is right at the front entrance of the church in the chapel in Renle Chateau. He's also the same demon that allegedly fooled King Solomon. It makes sense. And was able to escape by tricking him <laughs> into giving him his magical ring, which I'm sure is, you know, uh, all, I'm sure it's a lot of it is metaphor, but it is fascinating how he seems to be the one that surfaces a lot. So let's go through some of the comments. Oh, I guess until an actual angel arrives and sits us all down to have a wee chat about life <laughs> and its origins, it's all guesswork. Ah. Numerous options. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah, right here. Yes. Yes. And Chris says, I suspect that Goliath was Nephilim. He was a giant. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Um, yeah, the fellow in the foyer ran the chateau. Reno. Yes. And Reno. That <laughs> was funny. I'm like, Nevada has a first I of all, know. Nevada has a church. <laughs> I thought that was the casino. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. All right. Okay. All right. Hold on. I'm just trying to. Okay, good. I I, I can't I I cannot keep communicating. Just trying to figure out. Hoping our guest is okay. I really yeah, hope I that our so, guest yeah. is okay. So, um, so anyway, yeah, because he, he wasn't, he was under the weather last week when you got a hold of him. So hopefully yeah, he's overcome so there, it. Yeah, there we go. So it, it's possible, but he's been very communicative. So I'm really hoping that uh, nothing bad has happened. Maybe and... got the wrong time. Maybe got the time wrong. Is he in a different time zone? I don't think so. I don't know. I don't have everything in front of me no. and they don't all tell you, you know, where they're, where they're technically from. I'm just trying yeah. to be here, but you know what, again, we will, we'll have to obviously reschedule because we definitely want to, um, to share the documentary and share the book and the information with you guys. So yeah, without giving it all hour. away, I know I have to just change some stuff up, but uh, <laughs> guess what's on Netflix now. The fallen ones got him. No. <laughs> no. So, so this is more along the lines, I think, we're, we're just having an open mic session. Now we can concentrate on some of this stuff. But there is a good movie on right now. It's a documentary. With, yeah. yeah. It's a documentary, though. The one the, with the warrants you're talking that I told yeah, you. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, was on. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's called The, the Devil on Trial. And it's the Warrens discussing a case in Connecticut, of course, yes. in Connecticut. Y'all are haunted AF in Connecticut. Yes. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I started to, I, I put it on just to see, I always have to have the TV or a radio on in the background. Right. That's, you know, me because the voices and the noise and everything and the distractions right. that actually keeps me, you know, at a, right. mm, level right <laughs> see. Dun, dun, so dun. i had it in the back and i looked and i went let me just catch this trailer so i watched mm. the trailer and i went this needs my hundred percent focused attention my focus right on this because this is a documentary these mm -hmm. are pieces and clips of interviews of the warrens as well they are sharing which i don't know how i feel about this part i don't like when recordings of exorcisms are shared. I don't believe in it. It's against my beliefs. It's against the way I work, the way I feel mm. about something like that. I feel like 
it never dies. It's that energy trapped on tape and you're releasing it. And it just, for me, it's just wrong. It's, called, so yeah, it's called a bleed through. Um, yeah. Even most researchers, when they're listening to that sort of thing, will do it with, with earbuds or headphones. Um, so it can't bleed out into the atmosphere for that reason. And I have seen it happen where it's come out and people were people ended up having an issue because they were doing recordings and mm -hmm. then just played it out loud. And um, I think we worked on one of those places in uh, Ohio. If you remember that. Yeah. I don't, yeah. And that was just like, when I listened to that thing, it was essentially, yeah. it sounded huge it sounded because it had this long, this big, deep, deep rumbling voice. Yeah, it, it makes it, it, you really get a feel for the size of it. Well, it was all in air. Like you do, you do. Yeah. And, and your spidey senses sort of kick in and go, ooh, that's old. This, this is a little But different. it was all in Aramaic, too, people. Like it wasn't, it was an ancient, very ancient. That's, that just adds to the heebie-jeebies. Yeah. Um, you know, mm -hmm. Yeah, recordings get to me, but this is a little boy who was possessed, and we'll put right. those air quotes on yeah, it because yeah. I haven't seen the entire documentary, so I don't want to speculate or assume anything or put out false information, fake news. Right. <laughs> I don't want to do that. Right. So, um, but what's different about this is he is a grown man who recalls this. Mm. That is not common in possessions that no. they recall any of it. He mm -hmm. remembers where he first met this. He remembers how he felt the first the encounter. People are not always in a, in a, just to back up one quick minute. So yeah. people aware, because we can go back to the story of the exorcist. They're yeah. not in, pos in a possessed state the entire time. Right? No, but he remembers the state. He like remembers everything. things. Not not all of it because I haven't seen it, so I yeah, can't. Yeah, we don't want to blow it. We haven't seen it. No, no, haven't we haven't seen, seen it, either. Seen it yeah. either. Like I haven't seen it. I caught the trailer and that was it. And I, that's when I messaged Michelle. I'm like, oh my god, they're playing the recordings from the actual. Um, I wouldn't say it was an exorcism. What I heard was a deliverance. I don't know if right. they play the exorcism, but it's interesting. I'm going to tell you, not for children, not for children, not for the faint of heart. Um, it's not a slasher film, but there's some serious stuff that's and, in and there. Do you work? Do you suggest because we've done we've done a lot of these? I mean, I, I spent 20 years doing it. You and I spent four together doing it. Do you recommend? I mean, do you even watch it if you have if you have children at home with with the the threat of bleed through? No, like I I feel the threat through, of, yeah yeah the bleed through. No. I I feel whether it's it's coming through the actual recording that was taken and that you're listening to, or if it's bleeding through television, there's a lot of people who believe, and I always say hypothetically because everything's hypothetical in this business, but absolutely. But there's a lot of researchers and people that do believe that this stuff can bleed through and just Right through your living room. You know what I mean? So yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I worry about that. And I worry about children who get up for water and come towards stairs and maybe hear things and, and are 
you know, invited because this, this gentleman who, you know, I don't know how old he is. He has to be up in age because he was about, I think it was 11 at the time or 13 mm -hmm. when he met right. the Warrens. So this is a long time ago. Right. And he discusses right. the different steps. He calls them differently to, right. you know, to lead to possession. Right. Um, and they, they do talk about Ouija boards and how they thought that was it. His was an encounter mm -hmm. at a home that his sister was buying and they were there to help clean it out. You know, the family was there to help clean it out. And he was left in the, I will just say this because it's on the trailer. Damn. He was, he was left in the master bedroom. He was asked to sweep the floor and that's when he was pushed onto mm -hmm. the bed. And that's where it all started. Right. And he immediately wanted to leave. And he didn't know what it was, but he sensed something when he arrived. Mm -hmm. They all did. They all said there was something off with that house. Right. right. So think about that. So right. here we go with another house, Amityville, uh, Harrisville. Here we go with another house, Georgia. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the There's funeral home, Connecticut. Yeah. Here we go. We're starting this again. And this is something that just hit Netflix in Canada. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure about the states, yeah. but in, it probably they has been in the US for us. Yeah, yeah. But sometimes they. I mean, my paranormal nightmare was here before, or vice. No, it was in the states before, before. here, and it was supposed I know. to be there. I remember. Yeah. I remember filming that, and and it showed there. And my worst nightmare is the one I think of too. That one was here yeah. first. I yeah. don't know that I agree with this statement, Chris. Sorry. <laughs> Yeah, I don't agree with that statement. Yeah, I think you I, have I, to do a little bit more research. I don't believe that somebody who's grieving and thinking that they're, you know, talking to a loved one because they're tricked into it's um, tricked yeah. into bringing something in. I don't believe that a small child, because I've worked many with many children and families. I don't believe that a small child who thinks they're tricked into to being deceived playing with another child or having a very benign encounter um, basically states that, you know, this is an invitation invitation, you know, an invitation is where an attachment starts when something comes into your house one way or another um, an invite to communicate, perhaps. I mean, some people mm. move right into a space where it's so always easy. there, but yep. something along the lines brought this thing in and if that's what you're talking about then yes it starts with an invite of some sort yeah however a request to be possessed i don't believe i don't believe that's that's how it works this could be maybe a, a religious belief with some religions um i've worked with many different religious um you know, belief systems I've worked with rabbis, I've worked with, you know, the Catholics, I've worked with Christians, I've worked with Buddhists, I've worked with, with many. Um, so this is, this is a first for me, but yes, we can definitely agree to disagree. No problem. We love you too. Yeah, no problem. <laughs> but um, that's what this is about. That's what open mic is about. <laughs> it's just communicating and bouncing ideas around. And Lorraine partook in a lot of, of exercise and where she was present. Um, not where she partook, but where I'm, she was present. I'm not sure if that's the story. Yeah. There, I know what he's talking about. Chris is talking about where um, they show a little bit. Hi, Alex. They show a little bit about her being in um, 
seeing something at the possession at the exorcism of a young boy but i don't know if that's the boy i can't remember the name and right. i don't know if they gave the real name when they did the film the there's so many uh, there's so there many is. liberties they took in that film and you can ask the parent family and they will tell you it's not accurate mm -hmm. so and and her family didn't look for them they looked for the family mm -hmm. so there's a lot of different stories because they have to make it entertaining in fact, their real experience was so traumatic, they couldn't rate it, so they couldn't mm -hmm. tell it. Mm -hmm. So anyways, um, this is a documentary about the family and what they went through. I'll tell so, you, I mean, I've met Lorraine a couple times. I've been to her home. They had, um, they had some interesting footage. One was a footage where... Um, it was happened in <laughs> I, it happened in Canada. I'm laughing at Alex. Yeah, I, know, I don't even know Alex. I don't the even devil know on the devil <laughs> on trial because this yeah. was this was this story is about someone who murdered, and the devil made me do it. It's one of those stories. Right, right. It's on Netflix, Alex. It just came out today. Right. So, uh, 25 ago, according to okay, blah 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 blah. Oh, I think he just got, um, uh, yeah. Time wrong? Yeah. No, the date. The date oh. was tomorrow. Yeah. Oh, no. Okay. Um, it's today. So that's okay. We'll have to do it another time. But um, anyway, the footage that I saw was a man in Canada going back in the seventies in Montreal. Yes. You know the one I'm talking yeah, about. Yeah, That's the one they referred and to. He ended up, he ended up, I, I believe killing himself, which was very sad, but they have close-ups of him wearing a white shirt. And when they look at the eyes, the eyes actually slit and close. And then he starts drooling, like just salivating. And it's all just white drool. And when it hits the shirt, it all goes red. Mm -hmm. So I thought, holy crud, man, there's just stuff out there. They have writing on the inside of his belly as well. Yes. That's the one where she saw things and it scared her and it took a piece of her. That was the case she did right before Harrisville. Yeah. So it was that one. There you go. It's not the one. Yeah. This, from this documentary. This documentary is involved in murder. Right. How someone was influenced or whatever they're using that plea but this man was possessed that i do know but i don't know anything else because like i said i just watched the trailer because this is something i think it's 90 minutes long it's something that's going to require full attention because it's interview after interview clips of the warrens interviews and interviews after interview and evidence after evidence and trial clips and news clips so you can't watch this half asleep this is something that you're going to have to focus when you're you're watching it it's right. both paranormal and criminal, okay. which is fits right. It's right my niche, or the way Joe would say niche. <laughs> Joe Joe says niche. <laughs> okay, I think he's gonna he's gonna pop on very soon. So, oh, okay. Uh, yeah, yeah. Because I'm available. <laughs> it's like okay, good. Come on in. <laughs> well, we okay. won't have a whole lot of time, but we'll we'll take it a little bit. We'll take it a yeah. little bit longer. So, um. Um, I'll just let uh, the producer know. Um, we are going 
a wee bit longer. Yeah. Being late. Okay, just so we can get it all in there. Okay, it's just so we we know, and then he's good. <laughs> but will um, it cut off for for SoundCloud though? No. Oh it'll no, it won't. Okay? It won't. It's whatever we put on. Um, it'll be fine. Yeah, I just can't. I won't be able to do a full um, rerun with it ever because <laughs> we'll be over the two hour mark. That's what I meant. Yeah. 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 So, no. But um, Clipper, yes, that is the one. They, you give consent, Chris. You're not. You're not. You're not hearing what Michelle's saying. You're listening, but you're not hearing. I love you, Chris. You give consent to something you don't know. That's the problem. They mimic, and they will. It's it's. They're tricksters. They'll trick right. you into it. We're not saying there isn't an permission. Invitation. We're saying there is no such. You don't say I permit. I no. I permit you to possess me. Permission like on that. some level is that is the invitation we speak of, in, in somehow inadvertently inviting into your life. You could do that with a voice recorder. By the way, it's not just Ouija boards. It's any sort of any sort of request to communicate is pretty much an invitation to bring into your life. And then from that point on, you know, I believe all bets are off. Even um, thoughts. How many times have you stupidly said I would give my SOUL for that? No, it's true. That's an invitation. You know it's not, but to them it's clear. It's like, hey, I'm right here. It's, what do you need? Doesn't, there doesn't have to be any fine print with them. No. You know what I mean? So, it, but There's it's permission. permission is an invite. It's an invite. It's not It's not permission to be possessed to me in, in layman's term. Black and white writing is I give you permission to take possession. That's not, that's not the case. It's the case is <laughs> invitation of, of coming in. You know, it always starts with an invitation. I mean, Lorraine and I had spoken about this before. Lorraine has been very avid about it. Most researchers, Bishop James Long has talked about it. Reverend Bill Bean has talked about it. He'll be on the show next week. Hopefully he'll be feeling better. It's the same idea. Somehow, that invitation to communicate or invitation or challenge, whatever the case may be, those, those are invites and they're legitimate. But the people who get tricked into it, there are ways that, to get out of that quite easily. Believe me, I've worked with families and I've done it. You can rescind those invites. That's not, that's, it, we're, de we're dealing in a gray area in wording is what I think we're doing. Mm. So, you know, yeah. but... But with that being said, <laughs> you know, um, I think that we, um, so I'm just sitting here looking to see, waiting on our, our guests. Okay. But um, Alex says he's, he's possessed Monday through Friday. Right. <laughs> I think, Alex, you're possessed when you drive by Barbarito. <laughs> maybe, maybe. <laughs> so... But yeah, man, I mean, I think it's a really fine line. I think there are things out there that wait and prey on people who are just in a bad way. It's not just, you know, challenging. It's it's like we talked about this before. It's yeah. people who are grieving. It's people who have addictions, people who are depressed, high levels of anxiety. I think just um, just different. 
Yeah. I got a big fat fly on my screen again. Nice. I can it see never it. fails at this I time see it buzzing year, around. Right? I know. I know. Never fails. <laughs> it's a slow fat. I'm not frustrated. <laughs> I'm just saying, I think we, we have a gray area just in, in terminology as all. Yeah. There's a yeah. difference between invitation and permission. Yeah. You know, you can go for hours explaining that one. I know it's, it, it's a gray area. Permission and in, in invites. Yeah. It's just, just in the wording, but again, you know, infestation and possession possession is the last state of a demonic infestation and oppression and you know it's it, it actually doesn't happen often no but full possession a lot less than you think often. i think bishop yeah. james said that three percent of cases i'm not quoting him because i don't know if the number is right but i know it's less than five percent right are actual possessions yeah, I agree. I agree. Okay, I'm just waiting here. I've just got, got the guests going. Um, hmm. Okay. Uh, pop, pop, pop. I'm just ready. Let him know he's got the link. He's probably getting his stuff ready. Yeah. Well, he'll have lost a good hour. Yeah. But we'll try to carry it through um, separately, yeah, and see. But um, yeah, I mean, realistically speaking, I think we, you know, we're in, we're in, and we have been for quite some time in a day and age where these things, there are things out there, whatever they are, whether they're considered to be demonic, whether they're considered to be you know, multidimensional, interdimensional, dimensional, whatever the case may be, um, mm -hmm. you know, extraterrestrial, terrestrial, there are beings out there that, that just wait. They lay in waiting. And I think maybe we need to ask ourselves where they come from. Hmm. That's, that's outside of that, religion, outside of religion. Yeah. That's because, one thing that makes me want to read Father Gabriel Moore's book. Yeah, from beginning to end, because we don't know after the story, his story is told in a Hollywood fashion. Let's not forget mm -hmm. that, you know, why this thing pursued him mm -hmm. as long as it did. Well, there is that that theory. And I and, and I know I've, I've mentioned it before where they maybe they do know. They do know who you are. And if you're doing damage out there, they do know, and they can pursue. I mean, let's face it they they don't they don't have limitations when it comes to time or space. They can outweigh no. you. They can go your whole life. They could go through family lines. They could go through thousands of years. Let's let's face it. You know, I was once asked at an interview, "Do you think you know who who you are?" And I'm just like, "No, <laughs> who am yeah, I? Who's little yeah. old me?" But you know. Um, then I, I saw a medium in the chat room and she goes, oh, they know very well who she is. And I thought to myself, God, it was a frightening moment because I, I, I just <clears throat> sort of sat there and thinking, oh my God, this is just sort of scary to think about that there, there are beings of this nature who technically know exactly who you are. Mm -hmm. And they can infiltrate your life at any given time. And they do. 
Mm -hmm. They do. You know, I've had. That's, that's why I want to check the book out to see if he mentions it in the book than they didn't on film. Mm -hmm. Um, Chris. Chris says, as an ex-Wiccan, I've known how to protect myself from very real spiritual beings. Had I grown up as a Christian, I might have had a different view. I don't agree with that either. Because <laughs> as a Roman Catholic, as a Roman Catholic, you call on Archangel Michael. So I don't know about that. That's mm -hmm. been my route before understanding my gifts. And it never failed me. Mm -hmm. So, you know. But what I find interesting, though, is, again, in your case with with remote viewing, you can see. Yeah. Clearly. In a different, in a different way, no. But in I didn't a know that then, though. No, no. Yeah. But it, it's in a different way than just, just psychically, you know. Yeah. So, I think that is a very plausible. Forbidden history, grisly ghosts, monstrous cryptids, and harrowing folklore dominate Japan's history and culture. Mysterious Japan is a bi-weekly podcast presenting these spine-chilling horror stories, urban legends, and unbelievable histories in a campfire story format. Many of these tales have never been presented in English before. Our journey takes place where dark history and supernatural folklore collide. Mysterious Japan is produced, written, and translated by recognized Japan expert Dr. Heath Avey. Season 1 relates the unbelievable legends and ghost stories from the so-called suicide forest. Listen to Mysterious Japan for free on Spotify, iHeartRadio, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Learn more at our website at themysteriousjapan.com and be transported by unbelievable stories where the lines between reality and folklore become blurred in the shadowlands of Japan. Once again, that's themysteriousjapan.com. I'm laughing because plausible thing. Chris is like, wow. La, 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 la. Remember when I said to you, I always, I grew up, I always wanted to be psychic. I just thought I was giving great advice. <laughs> <laughs> I'm serious. I always mm. want, I always wish that I could do this. Now I'm like, what were you thinking? I always wish that I had this gift. And then I, and I used to just think, oh, I just give really good advice. Like everybody wants to talk to me. They want to know my opinion, how to do things. I seem to tell them, like, lead them the right way, and they feel comforted by me. Little did I know I was an empath, I was a medium, or I was a remote viewer. I didn't right. know. I knew right. that something was different. I knew that I could see. Right. I just thought everybody else could. <laughs> okay. I thought I could see. Okay. My emails are not going oh, through. I knew I could. No. Now, this is bizarro. It is very bizarre. This so I'm is gonna, bizarro, I'm gonna, weirdo kind of stuff. I'm going to do it this way right here. Very October, <laughs> though. Right? Very October of you. <laughs> Thank you, Chris. I love you, and I respect your opinion <laughs> as well. You can agree to disagree. It's okay. I believe also, as Michelle states over and over, that mindset's a big thing. If you feel in your mind that this is what works, then it works for you. Right. There we go. <laughs> oh, that God. and I've got about a hundred uh, medals around my neck. I'm not lying. All right. There <laughs> That's we a go. part of me of Roman Catholic that I still keep. <laughs> yes. Yes. That's. Oh, that. Oh. Just, oh, it's because of Alex. Just kick your. God's sakes, Alex. I just bought this one. <laughs> I don't want oh, to my kick gosh. It. This one's new, Alex. Like I literally know. a couple months. Wait a minute. Even. 
when my last one went down, were you in the chat? <laughs> oh, that's probably why you said it. <laughs> it's like, holy crap. So yeah, this is where I, I think that, um, again, mindset is very important. And, and I believe that you should go with whatever gives you strength, whatever makes you feel powerful. Um, sometimes I find with religion itself, it also puts a lot of, a lot of fear. <laughs> yeah. So some of it can be pretty fear-based and, and I don't think that that's a really good idea, you know, because not even just now, you should never have fear of, of the creator. You know, you should always, it should always be very, very relaxed. You should always feel good about it. Safe. Um, but when, you know, we've just encountered, and I know I've spent two decades of it, you know, you you have spirits who are stuck because they're afraid to move on because their religious system belief system was so staunch that they were terrified to leave this place in fear of what would wait for them. But being taught, you know, no, like your, your God is all loving. It's like, but yet you have this belief system. You should don't do this I or think, else. It's like, yeah, shit, I I'm staying here. <laughs> exactly. And I believe that that's changing and that this generation, when it comes time for them to ascend, will have a different route because their eyes are a little bit more open. Their minds are a little bit more open than it was before. Yeah. Exactly. I agree, Alex. You know, that's yeah. Right. <laughs> Yeah, it was absolutely, happened. and it's right. very I've sad. Said, I've but said the same with Christianity or Roman yeah, Catholicism. I can still, I can still find bits and pieces in the Catholic religion that I agree with, and I hold that to my heart. But that's mostly prayer. It's not the doctrine of it. It's mostly mm -hmm. the prayers make me feel right stronger. Right. Right. Again, because that's that's your belief system. You feel you feel good about it. it makes you feel good. It gives you strength. Here's a question for you. Yeah, <laughs> Chris. Since I'm not Catholic, do you think it's okay that I pray the rosary? I mean, I get what the rosary is. Absolutely, it's prayer. It's mm -hmm. prayer. You know, um, yeah, it's prayer. I I have the Halo app, and I don't go to mass. I use it because I like the meditations on there and I right. like learning about the saints. There's historical things. There's different reasons for things. I don't like to be forced into anything, any belief or any system. I have to feel that something is right. Mm. And that's it. You know, like I believe in the saints. I believe in the archangels. Those mm. are my beliefs. They are Christian beliefs as well, but it's not necessarily because I grew up Roman Catholic, it's just I do believe in the archangels and the saints. Mm -hmm. There's right. Christians that don't have, I do not have saints. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. I think the Baptists don't either, right? Do they? <clears throat> I don't think so. I think when you, because I've been in a Baptist church, I never saw anything like that. You go into an They're old Catholic church, and you will see saints yeah. everywhere. But um, and churches are, named are pretty Baptist staunch saints. as well. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I have a beautiful Greek Orthodox church down the street from me. My gosh, yeah. is it ever beautiful? Yeah. Wow. I, I love the the old architecture. You well, know, this spent, is new. It's shockingly yeah. beautiful. Anywhere I travel in the world, I always gravitate to to the old, like Gothic church. You know, when I, when I was in uh, Glasgow, uh, in Scotland, 
they had the oldest Gothic church in all of the mm, UK there. My goodness. Spent some time in there going, oh, my Must God. Must have been stunning. Oh Did you God. lean against the wall, say, take me, take me? I'm touching everything. <laughs> yeah, I would, too. I would want to connect Touch with everything. All you have to remember. <laughs> you have to think back that far with no yeah. education, no nothing except generation to generation and learning from mistakes, the creativity, the passion in their buildings. Their buildings had meaning. Mm -hmm. Every stone was placed a certain way. It's magical, regardless right. if you're of that faith or not. These, right. these, these houses, these churches, cathedrals right. are magical. I mean, you, you can say what we can say whatever we want about the Vatican, but you go to St. Peter's and you're in awe. Mm -hmm. You know, a man is on his back painting this great ceiling. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The Milan, Milan Duomo. Duomo means means cathedral. Mm -hmm. You see that, that every little placement of every little peak tells a story and brings it up to the heavens. Mm -hmm. You have to know the history. It's just how it's so magical. Yeah. You must have just been like, <gasps> you know. <laughs> Every time, light everywhere. <laughs> I've I've been to I've been to cathedrals uh, mostly because I'm a fan of architectures. I was very fortunate to to spend time quite a bit of time at Notre Dame Cathedral in Paris. You know, before it burned down, and you realize now that when history is lost, it's lost. When that architecture is lost, it's lost. Very sad. And there's something uh, looking at a building that's hundreds, if not thousands, of years old. That is just spectacular, whether it be a, a church or cathedral or whether oh, it be a castle or whether it be, you know, some of the buildings that we we've have, you know, on this side of the world. It's just yeah. there's just a lot there, a lot of history. Workmanship isn't the same anymore. No. And Notre Dame, you know? well, there that rebuild will not be completed in our lifetime. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. Michelangelo went blind from painting the ceiling. So we can, I think he was going blind anyways. Mm -hmm. I think they just fit that into his story because back then they wouldn't have known about, um, you know, like issues with the cornea and, and, you know, things like that. Right. Cause there's a lot of painters that didn't go blind. Van Gogh cut his own ear off mm -hmm. because to prove his love. And yeah. I believe he was murdered, but they were not greats until they died. They were nobodies when they were building. And that's my yeah. ancestors included where nobody's till they passed away and Pisa became a big thing. Yeah. That's, yeah. That's just the way it was then. And they would do things for the church because they were fed and how and housed. They weren't paid. Yeah. That's how they did it. You um, know, yeah. Second here. So trying. Trying. A higher power, but have many guides that are like gods, really. I'm with you, Dragon. I'm the same. I like to take bits and pieces of everything and put it together. And it fits right now for me. Uh, I don't yeah. judge anybody. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm just I'm just talking to the guests. Yeah, that's uh, okay. I'll keep yeah. talking. I can yeah. do that. Uh, <laughs> I can do that. Uh, Tamara says, when I die, my painting will then be worth money. Well, if I can see it, I might be able to sell it for you. <laughs> Michelle yeah. and I are great salespeople. Yeah. You don't you don't want to be up against us if we're trying to bid on something though. <laughs> I cut people off at their needs if I want something at an auction. I'm just oh. and I'm really good at it. I'm really good at it. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Wayne. <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh boy. Oh my gosh. That, so uh, Wayne, if my my niece wants to order your books, will you sign them for her? Would you mind? Yeah. Wayne Wayne. Wayne Wayne. She wants to read Wayne, the, Wayne. the books. She's a Wayne, big Wayne. avid reader. Very she's always reading, always constantly reading. Yeah. Uh, sorry guys. Try, I have a feeling we're just gonna have to uh it's already know, it's already like 40 minutes. Yeah, time. I know. <laughs> yeah. So uh, so that's that. Why would she want when she wants all of them? I gotta get I know the mailing part is the crazy part. Yeah. The weight. Or you can just go to you. I can print my name on crayon on the inside. She'll love that. When I told her what the story was based on, she's just like, I need to read those books. I said, you need to buy them because I don't share. <laughs> I'm not that person that lends out books. So there. <laughs> no, I'm not that person that lends out books because I support artisan writers. So that's why I don't lend a book. Yeah. <laughs> I used to a long time ago when I was very young and poor. <laughs> I used yeah. to do that. And, uh, you know, you swap out whatever. But um, I haven't done it in years. And I lost a lot of great books over the years lending them. And I refuse to, especially when I know the author, I refuse to lend my book. So I've never lent out Jeff Mudgett's book either. No, I've made everyone buy it. Cece, I've made everybody ride that book. I am going to read the first one. I will. I have to be focused, too. Um, well, that I, helps. Yeah, being focused <laughs> helps. I can't, I can't focus on anything. I can't focus on on even a sitcom. Like I can't. My mind is everywhere with my daughter right now. She's still not stable, right? So it's like that's in my head constantly. Um, yeah, I haven't bought a real book in years. All of my books are eBooks this day. I buy. I like books. the smell of a new book. I like the smell, but I like to hold the book. And I like, like, Wayne's books are so thick. And I love that struggle that you know you're getting to the that's end. It, but then it's you're it's sad. a good quality paper as well. So. It really is. And that's a big deal. Yeah. There's no strain on your eyes when you're reading his books. Yeah. Um, my whole thing with books, I collect them. Mm. I've got leather bound, just hand. She does. Books. She really does. So yeah. So it's a different thing for me. I will buy <laughs> eBooks on not silly things. Cause for some people it's important to them, like numerology, like new age things. I will not spend the money on books on new age. I'm just saying right now. See, I, I love really old books. Mm. That's me. Like really old. I have mechanic books. books. Like I have, I have so many old books. Like it's just crazy. Yeah. I also have newspapers that date back to the 1900s. Thank right. you, Dragon. Thank you. Thank you so much. Take positive vibes and prayers. We love them. Yeah. Love it. Yeah. That's nice. Yeah. <laughs> All made Thank in you. Canada. Yes. And that's important <laughs> as well. Yeah. Old bookstores are the greatest, aren't they? Can it, I, yeah. Makes you I, feel like you're going back in time. Like that's going, one like you're yeah. going to Hogwarts. That's one thing I didn't do in in um Boston and duh the Hawthorns and Edgar Allan Poe. What was I thinking? That's yeah. what I have to do next time I go. No, exactly. What star is asterisk coming at you, Bubbles? Oh, thank you. I understood. Oh, thank you. I seen it. Thank you, Wayne. <laughs> <laughs> 
Okay. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's been a frustrating. I know. I know. Is he having trouble connecting? Um, no, no. Okay. Just long, long story. We're going to reschedule because it's just not going to be enough time for him to come on and, and talk about everything he needs to talk about. There's no. so much information and I want to make sure that we do him justice with the proper, Absolutely. Yeah, with the proper amount of time. So we'll retitle the name of the show and just, I will do that for going. you. Yeah. yeah. So of course we're coming into, we'll switch gears a little bit here. Of course we're getting into, you know, this is spooky month and every time. <laughs> I, I, I know. Oh, wait. Oh, hold on. Hold on. Wow. Hello. <laughs> Oh, oh no, no. microphone. No sound. Microphone. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Oop. Nope. I know. Uh, did it's... you did you give StreamYard permission to use your microphone? It could just be in your settings. You might have to just go in and click it to the mic. <laughs> it's not muted either. So maybe no, your microphone is muted. Check your microphone. If it the light's flashing, then it's muted. Yep. Nope. Oh, is that a shore? I don't know. I don't know. Probably in your settings. <laughs> nope. Thanks, Wayne. <laughs> yeah. Did you did you give um did yeah, I know we can't get you at all. Did you give StreamYard permission to use the microphone? Yeah, you have to do that. Okay. Maybe jump out. So do that again. I'm going to knock you out. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. We'll do that. All righty. Try that. Hold on. There we go. Okay. <laughs> My God. It's a crazy night. Do we have like an, like like something planetary going on or something? Yeah. Or... Hi, Dolly. I didn't see you there. <laughs> Hi, no. Dolly. Hello, Dolly. Well, hello. Dolly. I know. <laughs> We're starting extremely late, but uh, <laughs> we'll yeah. see if we could go a little bit, a little bit later anyway. Um, yeah. But spooky month is, is, is the time. I know it's the time of year where allegedly the veil Night, is thinner yeah. and, you know, hauntings amp up and the spirits find it easier to communicate. I used to get so crazy busy this time of year with haunted people and i'd be just like what is it about this time of year <clears throat> i think it's it's mindset i agree right yeah horror movies wanting that experience going out and looking for it i don't know and they're they're the one month out of the year people we do this year round so yeah. it's balance it's balance baby it's balance yeah um and then you know, a lot of people, they get heavily into the the horror films and the podcasts and they want to see all these psychics on TV and they want to, like you said, they want to investigate. It's like yeah, there's there communication. But remember what I said to you about my mom would say the veil was thinner at Christmas? Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's actually, it's believed it actually is closer to Christmas yeah. and not Halloween. But that would throw a lot of people into a tizzy. See, and I think that's why they put the the birth of Jesus Christ in December was to kind of ward off the evil that was happening at the end of the year. Because my mother would say that it was an unfortunate soul that was born at the end of the year. You want right. them in the new year. You don't want them with the burden of that year on their shoulders. 
Right. That was something she would say because I was due Christmas Day with my first, and it upset right. her. <laughs> I'm like, well, not funny. You know your wish because I passed. I, I lost the baby, but yeah, um, yeah. Uh, Gabrielle was due Christmas Day. Yeah, say crazy. So, yeah, my my mother mm. was just like, I'm happy that you're expecting. I'm just, can you can like we got to try and get you to hold off five more days. I'm like. Why five days? We were just stitching up. I like, know. What? What are you talking about? And I said to my dad, "What kind of drugs is she on? Like, I want some." Mm, you know, mom's got some shenanigans going on. Fix yeah, her. You can't. Whatever you do, you got to hold out till the new year. This was yeah. before she went in for surgery that she passed from. Wow. She said that to me, and I was just like, "The hell." I know, I know. Like, and my brother's what? laughing. He's like, "Oh, you know, mom with her superstitions." I go, "No, mom's not superstitious. My mother was not superstitious. Right. She didn't care. We had a black cat. My dad was right. a builder. We walked under ladders all the time. There was always a ladder in our house right. somewhere. My dad was right. doing something. Right? Like, come on. But yeah. anyways, yeah. yeah. I don't know. There? I, 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 I do think that you know this is a time of year where people. <laughs> People I'm want an experience. People yes. want to be there. People go to haunted events and haunted locations and maybe some ghost tours and yeah. putting like themselves People in. want to be nice, but they're not. Well, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I mean, come on. If you think about it, what are the chances? You go on a ghost walk. It's, it's pretty benign for the most part. You go to a haunted event or I've function. never done that. Really? Well, I watched you. I, I did ghost Wayne tours speak. for like, yeah. 10 I, mean, I watched years. you and Wayne speak. I've never gone. I was supposed to go on the last one that uh, Lorraine Warren did in Toronto Footpath. And I yeah, didn't go did because that, I, was, I was not that one. Yeah. Yeah. I, I would have met you then. I was yes, sick and I didn't go. But Funny. I was supposed to be. There was a friend there. of mine who put that on. Yeah. 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 And yeah. when she was coming, I thought, this is the only chance I'm going to get to meet her. She's elderly. And she yeah. did pass a few years after that. So, yeah. But yeah, well, she did. Yeah, I was fortunate. I was at, I went to her home two, three years oh, before to that, King too. Tut. I saw King Tut when I was a little girl in school. Yeah. So when oh. you go to school in the big city, okay. we're going to try again. Okay. How's it going? Uh, is it any better? <laughs> That's a dreamy voice worth waiting for. Let me tell you. That's a great voice. Welcome. Wow. Well, yeah. yeah. Sorry about that. The whole faux pas for the 19th. All the rest of our communication showed the 18th. I thought I must have had just a little brain toot there in one yeah. moment. It's okay. I, I just, like I said, I was just going off that. So I was, um, I was home tonight. I was home. I was just, uh, in yeah, well, house. we originally had you. I know it was just, it's good. And the, and the funny thing was that, um, you know, my daughter is doing physical therapy. So I, she tonight was her first night. So we were in the living room on the floor doing all these exercises. She had surgery yeah. for a couple of months oh, ago. Oh, I hope she's and, okay. Uh, thank, yeah. And yeah. so I, so, and, we're, and I was playing music. So it's just something I just normally I'm not like on the floor of my living room at 7:30 with music loud. Otherwise, I'd had my phone by and I would have seen Mark's email saying, "Hey, where are you?" But well, that's okay. We're we're I gonna go a little bit. We're gonna go a little bit later tonight. We're gonna yeah. try to take it an extra bit just to make sure we can get Understood. all this in because there's so much information. I did watch a documentary. Oh, cool, I thought cool. I, what I thought I would do if it's okay with you is start off by playing the trailer. 
Sure, absolutely. Does, does that work okay? All right, give me one yeah, second. Sure. Let me go in and grab that puppy right over here. Yeah, okay, we're going to share this up. Bear with me, guys, because I'm a little bit off my game right now. And let's play this. We're missing his sound. I love it. <laughs> I don't. I didn't have any sound on that at all. What? That's why I was waving at you. I, I had no sound. There's no sound on video. <laughs> Say bubble. Oh yeah, I was yeah. like full on sound. Yeah. Did everybody hear it? No, no sound. No. Everybody say no sound. What is this? Did you hear it, Ryan? No, I just typed it in the chat. I couldn't hear it either. Yeah, oh, see, wow. it was only on your end. That's why I was waving you down. I'm like, oh, no sound. I wasn't saying I'm crazy. We all know. Sound, like we all know I'm not. Sound. <laughs> but yeah. So yeah, no sound. Okay. No sound. Well, maybe we'll just try it again. I don't. I don't know why it was like full on. Okay, and... if, it, if there's no sound, I'm gonna wave you really high. Okay? It was. It was. Well, well, yeah. Well, okay. We'll see if we could. Do, we can try it again afterwards. Darn it. God Almighty. Okay. Yeah. Well. I should have said that. <laughs> God Almighty, why? So anyway, so I I thought it was a really great um, documentary, and thank you, thank you, I appreciate you know, it. yeah, it's really hard to know where to start with everything. So because we don't have a full two hours, I'm going to just hand the floor over to you and let you just go, and Amelia and I will just jump in as we go because yeah, I want you to fine. get out as much info as possible. Okay, all right. Take it away. So what, prompt, <laughs> okay. what, what prompted you to write about the um, yeah. the Nephilim? What what was yeah, it? Sure. So you know, you know, my journey to becoming an author uh, on the Nephilim really uh, it was all God. It was really all God guiding everything because I knew I grew up a Christian and grew up in the church, going to church, believing the Bible. And however, I was really not a student of Bible prophecy. I didn't study Revelation. I mean, I knew about Revelation, but I wasn't a big student of Bible prophecy or the supernatural so much. And it was really once I was done with school and working that I started just stumbling upon different ministries or shows or websites that were showing how world events were converging with Bible prophecy. And so my, my background, I was a political science major in college. I was very much into politics. I've worked for a summer uh, at, uh, in the Senate when I was in law school. 
So politics was definitely my thing. And when I saw that connection, then I really started getting interested and started going down lots of rabbit holes about just the end times and one world government, one world currency. This is all like 2007. So it was like the Bilderberg Group, the Continental Foreign Relations, all these things, right? And it was just amazing. And then there was one ministry that I used to buy lots of DVDs from and books from, and whether it's Ellie Marzulli, Billy Crone, Chuck Missler, all, all these all these people. And they sent me a free DVD on the Nephilim. And I really knew nothing about the Nephilim at that time at all. And it really just blew me away, changed my perspective on the Bible. Like I really say it's like going from like black and white to like 4K UHD, like seeing, right. understanding the Old Testament. And then it was like where God really played a role. God led me to that. And then also with my background, I just wanted to research this and go down as many rabbit holes night after night as possible. And what I started noticing was, you know, I'm like, you know, there are a lot of things in the Bible that connect to these two bloodlines, that this war of these two bloodlines that I'm not seeing in any books. And that's what led me down the path of researching and writing and saying, okay, I'm going to actually write a book on this myself. And one, to really, to show that this is the story of the Bible. This is just as we talk about the Bible as a story of salvation, of redemption. This is a key part of it. And it goes through the whole Old Testament. It's not just Genesis 6. It's not just David and Goliath. It weaves its way all the way to the birth of Christ. And so I wanted to really show that and then also make a book that you can show that the, the this is coming, the Bible supports this. It's not just from the apocryphal books. It's not just from mythology. It's in the Bible itself. And that was kind of the whole origin of it. So let's let's back up then. Yeah, sure. Who are they? Where do they come from? Because yeah. a lot of people think, you know, it's commercial, but I don't think they really get it. Yeah, and I understand, you know, that's the thing, you know, as I'm sure both you ladies know, it's, this is not something commonly taught in the church. I mean, you, there are people who I know have been in church for yeah. decades and say to me all the time, I've never even heard of this before. And so, so the Nephilim, uh, they are, in short, they are the hybrid half fallen angelic, half human giants that were first born in the, what we call the days of Noah, Noah's Ark, probably one of the most famous stories in the Bible. Everyone knows Noah's Ark, but the reason for the flood, and this is, goes back to the importance of it in the biblical narrative, the entire biblical narrative, is that when you understand what was taking place at that time, the, they were the reason for the flood. And to really figure out and determine their origin, it really goes back even three chapters earlier than Genesis 6 to Genesis chapter 3. And that's where I start taking the Nephilim, which is with that chapter in particular in Genesis 3.15, which I call the ultimate prophecy. And that's really what sets the stage for everything that happens in the days of Noah. Because, of course, the story of Adam and Eve sinning, which again, everyone knows that story of them sitting in the Garden of Eden and God punishing them. Hmm. However, in verse 15, we see the punishment for the devil, for Satan. And that's when God, <clears throat> excuse me, speaking directly to the devil says that he is going to put enmity, war, aggression, a battle, a conflict between the devil's seed and Eve's seed. And then for prophesies the first messianic prophecy that the seed 
of the woman, a child born from a human woman is was going to conquer the devil one day, right? Mm -hmm. And so that is what, you know, what I challenge the reader to do in my mm -hmm. book. Is I say, you know, consider God saying this from the perspective of the fallen angels. Don't think about it from the Obi Kamala know the story. When the devil and the fallen angels hear this, it's really something revolutionary, right? It's radical that God is God the Father who's talking to the devil is not going to punish Satan directly. It's going to be a child, a kid, a baby's going to be born, who's going to have the power to actually beat the devil, probably the most powerful of all the angels. Mm -hmm. And so now, not only was it shocking in that way, it also gave the devil a target because now, in order to stop this from coming to pass, I got to either destroy this child, prevent this child from being born, or corrupt this child to prevent the, the, this prophecy from ever being fulfilled. And so that's what we see. And so, so the devil's target became humanity. And what I throw out there is if even looking at the first two sons born, Cain and Abel. Mm. And I say it again, thinking from the fallen angelic perspective, not what we learn in Sunday school, Cain, who was the first son of Adam and Eve, he could have been the Messiah, right? He was the first seed, offspring, baby, child. That's true. And so the devil, of course, goes on the attack and lures Cain into sin. We see the account where Cain kills Abel, his brother, mm -hmm. in jealousy um, because God accepted Abel's offering and didn't accept Cain's. And from that perspective, it was like a two for one shot on the Messianic bloodline because Abel also could have been the Messiah. Like, right, one of these two sons could have been the Messiah, and the devil was able to get two of them yes. out of the way. In they the kill one and corrupt the other, essentially. Exactly. Yes. And so then this is where it turns into, like, you know, what, you know, my friend L.A. Marzulli calls the cosmic chess match, right? When now God and the devil are going back and forth, making move and counter move on the, the, the chessboard of the human existence, basically. Right. <laughs> God yeah. responds by banishing Cain. He banishes Cain from Eden, which gives, allows the messianic bloodline to grow, right? Adam and Eve have more children without Cain's influence, criminal history, murderous ways. So now they can grow without violence, his violence. And that, so the bloodline continues. And what does God keep saying to every human being, every couple? Be fruitful and multiply. Have lots of kids. That was God's plan. Fill the earth up with babies, right? And so what did this mean? The number of potential messiahs now has increased exponentially, right? And so this is where, this is what sets the stage for Genesis 6. And when you go back, and I love to really, I, I would say, I, I, like, you know, I'm a, I'm a very slow Bible reader. Like, some people can do a, the Bible in a year plan. And some people do that every year. My wife does it like every other year. I'm like, God bless everyone who does that. I go really slow. Right. <laughs> and I love the little details because when you get to Genesis 6, in verse 1, the context of the whole birth of the Nephilim, it says, when men began to multiply upon the earth and daughters were born to them. So it was the human population growing is what led the devil to now say, I got to launch a wide scale attack to knock out a whole bunch of the human race, if not the entire human race at one time, because I can't go one Messiah at a time anymore because the, the human population is growing too much. Right. 
And so right. what this what this attack, what I call the nuclear strike in the human race was, was the incursion of the fallen angels. There's a subset, a faction of the fallen angels who rebelled with the devil, entered the human realm, took human women as wives, and fathered the Nephilim hybrids. And that's what we see in Genesis 6, 4. It says the sons of God saw the daughters of men that they were fair and went in unto them, right? This is the language mm -hmm. of reproduction. They were getting it on. This is literally what the Bible is saying. And right. this and, and they and, were and, and them. corrupting them in, in a exactly. sense as well, right? And this yeah. is what they were, because the plan was to introduce the fallen angelic DNA and genetics to corrupt human genetics, our genome, to prevent the birth of a fully human messiah. And this is the, this is the funny thing is that there's a lot of science in the Bible. God has a specific genetic order. And when you think about it, Jesus Christ, who is fully God and fully man at the same time, mm -hmm. salvation, his salvation on the cross is just for humanity. It's not for anyone. It's not for the fallen angels. It's just for us. Mm -hmm. And so that was very important. And the devil was clearly aware of this and thought, if I can just corrupt humanity, and make us something other than human, something other than image bearers of God, I can then prevent this Messiah from being born. Right. And we even see further confirmation that this was a genetic battle taking place with the introduction of Noah. Now, of course, Noah is who God chose to basically reboot the human race and continue mm -hmm. us after the flood. However, there are two important things we see with Noah's introduction. One, God says three times when he speaks to Noah, all flesh has corrupted itself. That even, even the animals, that something took place that caused all of humanity to be fully corrupted. And it was the introduction of this fallen angelic seed, this hybrid program the fallen angels were running that was literally turning all of us into monsters, right? And so mm. that was the one thing. But then when it introduces Noah, it says Noah was a just man and perfect in his generations. And that term for perfect in the Hebrew is tamim, which means a physical perfection, not morally perfect, that he was physically perfect, that he was without blemish. It's the same term used for the sacrificial lambs at Passover. That has to be a lamb without blemish, that has no physical defect. And what did that mean with respect to Noah? That he was perfectly human. And in fact, not only him, but of course his, his parents, and his children, because it says in his generations, his lineage was still 100% human, no Nephilim DNA, no fallen angelic DNA, which is why, of course, and he was a believer. Mm -hmm. Right. Why he was chosen to be really the, the father of this, you know, of rebooting humanity after the flood. And so this is how we see further confirmation that this is what it was really about. It was a plan to really prevent our salvation, to corrupt us and prevent our salvation, our Messiah, Jesus Christ, from being born. Sounds a little bit like um, just hindering evolution. Exactly. You know, um, so I, I have to ask, you know, how does an angel, because I mean, there's a lot of different depictions of angels. Yeah, sure. And, and how does an angel connect with a human female it, it almost it's almost to me like and nowadays in modern times how would you you know connect shall we say with 
an extraterrestrial. <laughs> you right, know? Yeah, like, right. Very similar. Like, right? like, like similar. the genetic part of it, per se. Yeah, yeah. So, Apples, oranges, maybe. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, excuse me. So, yeah. So, great question. Very important question. Right? How does it actually happen, right? That they're conceiving yeah. a child. Right. And so, I look to several different parts of the Bible that I think when you look at the totality of the evidence, it makes it clear how it can happen. So the first thing to think about is that angels have bodies. They have a physical presence. And this is really important. We see this throughout the Bible. So a lot of times we think of angels like a ghost where they're just ethereal and they have no right. actual physical body, but they do. And we see in Genesis, mm. God and two angels go to Abraham's house and he prepares a meal for them. They eat. He has their, his servants clean their feet. So mm -hmm. they're physically there. They're, they can be touched. They're eating food, right? Uh, mm -hmm. The Israelites, when they were eating, received manna from heaven in the wilderness right. to survive. In the Psalms, it says man did eat angels' food in the wilderness. So the food they were eating is the food that angels eat in heaven, the manna. So which, which right. means that our physiology is close enough to an angel's that we can eat their food and they can eat our food. I mean, if you think about it, right, people, you can eat dog food and get sick, but right. we can eat angel's food and survive and they right. can eat our food. So they have bodies, they have a physiology, they touch people, they can fight people, and they can appear human, right? I think angels can change their appearance, but we know they can appear human. Many times they're referred to as the man. I saw the man, but it was an angel. In the book of Hebrews, we're specifically told that you may have an angel come to your house and you don't even know it's an angel. This is so true. And there's a lot of stories of that happening. It would be kind to strangers and how yes. you entertain strangers because it could be an angel. Right. So they, they can completely resemble a human being. Right. And then you get to a chapter in 1 Corinthians, in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 which is an amazing chapter. There's a ton of supernatural doctrine in this chapter that the Apostle Paul is kind of breaking down. But he gets to a section where he's talking about the body and he's, he's referring to the body, the, what he calls a celestial body, which is the immortal body that angels have and the body that Christians, believers receive at our glorification at the rapture that are immortal that we have forever. Mm -hmm. And the terrestrial body, which, of course, is the body we have now that will die and turn to dust. Right. And he's going back and forth, contrasting them. But then he makes this interesting statement. He says, unto everything that God has given a body, he has given a seed. So he's clearly saying that in the context of talking about the body an angel has, a celestial body, he says that they have seed, DNA. Hmm reproductive materials right interesting so, so i take the fact that so now we know they have bodies right they have yeah. an actual physical body they have a real physiology they eat food they can eat our food they can totally take on a human form to look just like a human that mm -hmm. we can't even tell the difference <clears throat> they have seed and again genesis 6 4 and the book of jude in Chapter one, verses six and seven specifically says that angels went after strange flesh for fornication. I mean, it's it's saying it plain as day. That Back, yeah. Oh. The sin wow. is fornication. This is what they were doing. 
and they yeah. were punished for it, but that subgroup of angels by being put in the abyss, that there's there are angels right now who are in hell, under chains, in darkness. This is what Jude says in 2 Peter chapter 2, confirms the same thing as well. When you think about that, the devil is not in hell. Contrary to popular belief in TV, the devil isn't in hell, right? The devil told God in the book of Job, I'm just going to and fro on the earth. I can go wherever I want to go, right? He, right. Can go, he can still access heaven. But yet there was a group of angels who did something so bad that was such a violation of God's law that he sent them to hell immediately. And who was it? It was the Genesis 6 angels, the sons of God, the Benaiha Elohim, who committed fornication. And that violation, that attempt to literally corrupt our us and prevent the Messiah, God sent them to hell immediately. And right. so... When you put all of that together, that's why I said taking one verse is hard, but when you look at all the evidence together, I think it's clear that this is what took place and that the Bible confirms that angels have the ability to reproduce. Right. And you make mention of one called the Assyrian. Yes. That was a curiosity to me because I've never heard that. <laughs> As I'm sure many, many people have it. It's not stuff you're taught about. Yeah, so, no, no. And, uh, you know, even when I was writing the book, uh, I was still living in New York at the time. I live in Texas now. My, my pastor at the time, uh, the church I attended, he and he knew I was writing the book and working on it. So I, I showed him that chapter and he said <laughs> he said he'd never even heard anyone preach on that chapter. And he's been a pastor for 30 something years. He goes, I've never even heard someone preach on this chapter, much less, much less connected right. to the Nephilim. So. So yeah, right. so it's, it's a, not a common interpretation, but I think it's really important. I think it does connect to everything that we're talking about. And so who is the Assyrian? So I believe right. Right. the Assyrian was the angel who led this group of angels in Genesis 6. He was the preeminent ruler of the Genesis 6 angels. And again, this is not the devil. The devil did not commit fornication in the days of Noah. He did not participate in this. And so... This angel, who is different from the devil, is, I think, in view in Ezekiel chapter 31, and he's called the Assyrian. He's mentioned throughout the Bible, throughout the Old Testament, as the Assyrian. But that chapter specifically describes his rise and fall in the days of Noah. And the first thing to understand about it is, if you go to that chapter, which, again, is not a commonly discussed or studied or preached on chapter, I call it an esoteric passage. So it's very, it's right in line with what the more commonly known esoteric chapters like Isaiah 14 and Ezekiel chapter 28, where God is addressing a king in Isaiah 14 is the king of Babylon. In Ezekiel 28, mm. it's the prince of Tyre. And, but he's not really talking to that person. He's actually addressing an angel. And in both cases, I believe in Isaiah 14, where he says, Lucifer, son of the morning, I believe he's talking about the devil and says, and goes to the five aspirations. I will sit upon the top of the congregation. I will be like the most high where he's addressing the devil, even though it says the king of Babylon. Mm. Similar pattern is found in Ezekiel chapter 28, where it's the prince of Tyre. But God says, you are perfect in wisdom, in beauty. He even says, you have been, thou has been in Eden, the garden of God. So now we're not talking about the Prince of Tyre. He's talking about the devil when he was still righteous. And he says, you had, you know, every precious jewel was that covering. And he lists nine jewels. 
And those nine jewels are nine of the 12 that he took, instructed Aaron, Moses' brother, who was the first high priest, to wear on his breastplate to enter the tabernacle, the most holy place. He had to wear 12 jewels for each of the tribes. Well, guess what? Satan had those nine of those jewels on his chest. So again, this is going way into ancient history, and but it, but but it's technically addressed to the Prince of Tyre, which we'll be talking about the devil. Would those be the same jewels that the temple priests of the Kingdom of David would have on their breastplates, their chest? Exactly. Plates? Same. Mm -hmm. Oh, okay, okay. So that's that's interesting. And David even consults them to discern God's will at one point, but yeah. So it just it keeps going down yeah, the line. Which natural is... properties, right? And so, because I believe that's also referred to as the Urim and Thummim in Scripture, which is used to actually like discern God's will. If you want to know God's will, they could actually use, like David used it at one point. Um, mm -hmm. And uh, Joshua as well. But anyway, I digress. Yes. Yeah. No. <laughs> so, 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 so yes, that's Ezekiel 28. But then you just go three chapters later. Remember, this is the same prophet. Mm -hmm. And we see another one of these passages, but it's talking about the Assyrian. Mm -hmm. And when we look into the context of how, you know, the language is very poetic and, and metaphorical, but then it starts to, it can be decoded. Right. So right. it starts off by saying that the, that the Assyrian, he was this cedar in Lebanon, where the Lebanese cedar can grow to 100 feet. And, is, and he uses this metaphoric language of comparing this angel, this fallen angel, to this mighty tree that had branches and uh, fruits. And it says, all the nations dwelt under his shadow. So he ruled. He was a global ruler in the days of Noah. And in fact, it's very similar the language of Ezekiel 31 is very similar to Daniel chapter 4, where Nebuchadnezzar has a dream and says, I had a dream and I'm not going to tell anyone my dream. You have to tell me what I dreamt and then interpret it for me. And Daniel, of course, can interpret it. And it's about a tree. It's almost it's a very, very similar language. And Daniel said that was mighty and had flowers and all the, all the animals were under it. And Daniel said, the tree is you and represents your kingdom and your might and your power. So we're seeing the exact same metaphor being used for this angel but the difference is it again like ezekiel 28 says that not only was he a great and mighty king it says that all of the other little uh, trees in eden were jealous of him so it starts making all these references to the garden of eden and i believe the fallen angels mm -hmm. took over the garden of eden before the flood happened and so it goes on to describe that he grew to a great height he was powerful and then he describes his fall but just like the devil he became prideful he exalted himself and god destroyed him and how did he destroy him with a flood it actually references the flood waters at the end of the chapter and says that the water that god cast him down to the nether parts of the earth to tehom the abyss exactly right. where jude says those angels are right now it says that's where he took the assyrian and all the trees of Eden, which I believe is a reference to all the fallen angels mm. and uh, in the days of Noah. And the last confirmation I'll give that really connects it is that it says that in the days that when God judged him with the flood, says he destroyed his kingdom. And it even says that his offspring died before him because that mm. was the judgment of the Nephilim was the flood. The Nephilim giants died. The angels were dragged down to the abyss alive in the floodwaters and then imprisoned. Mm. Right. But right. the crazy thing is it says 
that God punished the Assyrian with the floodwaters. He it says that he was sent to hell in the days that the waters of the flood abated. So when was that? Well, when you go to Genesis 8 and you look at the chronology of the flood, it says after 150 days, mm -hmm. the waters abated. Remember, water came from the sky, but also from the ground. And so the waters returned back to the fountains of the deep. And I believe that I believe that's when the angels were dragged down to the abyss in a supernatural whirlpool after 150 days. Because that's what Ezekiel 31 says. They were brought down in other parts of the earth. So keep that number in mind, because what happens is the book of Jude says those angels have been dragged down to the abyss. They are imprisoned until the judgment of the great day, the great tribulation. Mm -hmm. so you go to Revelation, in Revelation chapter 9, that same abyss is opened. And when the abyss is opened, suddenly these creatures emerge who are, who are called locusts. But what are they? They're hybrids. It says they have the face of a man, hair of a woman, teeth like a lion, these grotesque, very bizarre looking beings. I believe those are the fallen angels from Genesis 6. And when they are released from the abyss, they're finally released from their prison. It says that they are instructed to torment, to torture everybody living on earth, every human being who's not a believer. It says who does not have the seal of God in their forehead. So now they come out as a, to torture people and torment people and says they will torment them for five months, which in the Hebrew calendar is 150 mm. days. Right. They were tormented by the floodwaters for 150 days and then dragged down to hell. And when they are released from the bottomless pit, now they torment unbelieving humanity who are worshiping the Antichrist for 150 days. So it really connects as it was in the days of Noah. So shall it be. Right, right. The, the son of man. Right. <laughs> Almost a little bit like what I believe that we're going through, even in current times. It's like, you know, let's face it, there's there's a lot of tormenting going on, <laughs> yes, shall yes. we say, without getting us flagged on YouTube. There's yeah, a lot definitely. going on for sure. Um, and to even change our genetics, right? I mean, there's so much of that today with transhumanism, mm -hmm. yeah. DNA, RNA, all these things, right? These are all... The birth banks is not a coincidence, right? Yes. And Jesus pointed, and this is another reason why understanding the Nephilim is so important. In Matthew 24, Jesus, he points to this time and says, if you want to know what the world is going to be like before I return, it's going to be like the days of Noah. So mm -hmm. if Jesus is making that statement, something important really happened. And we something, need to understand yeah. what was going on in the world at that time to really be able to discern the end times. Mm-hmm. So how do they get back? How, because we, we know the Nephilim came back. I mean, there's there's evidence right. of giants being found, bones and all kinds of stuff all over the world. I mean, it's no hiding yeah, it. But definitely. there were there were giants walking the earth up to even a hundred years ago. Sure. I mean, there's so many stories, right? I mean, it goes from ancient accounts, right, in different cultures, way <clears throat> outside of Israel, right? In South yeah. America, in North America, you know, all you know, all over the world, and then also to newspaper articles, right? So, yeah. you know, in the, like you said, like in the, in the 1800s. And so, right. um, <clears throat> excuse me, so how did they come back after the flood? I believe that the DNA of the Nephilim made it through on the ark. 
and through the wives of Noah's sons, and specifically through the wife of his son, Ham. Hmm. And there are two reasons I'll give that. There are many reasons, but two main reasons I get into in Gentleman Ethelene that I think prove that are one, I look at the giants after the flood and the different giant tribes that the Israelites are instructed to go and battle and war against, like in the book hmm. of Joshua, and they are all traced back to Canaan. You know, the common thinking is that when Joshua and the Israelites went on this war campaign, they were just killing everybody. But it wasn't. God told them, he said, seven nations. And he names them. Right. He says, we're mightier and stronger than you. That's who I want you to fight. Right. And they're all Canaan's descendants. Of course, Canaan was the grandson of Noah through his son, Ham. So I, he, and if you think about it too, the crazy thing is Canaan is like, to me, one of the most mysterious people in the Bible, right? Think about it too, because in the Old Testament, the promised land itself, Israel is called the land of Canaan. Yeah. Why? Yeah. Right? Because he's never quoted in the Bible and he's never described. Right. right. You never even see like Canaan ate breakfast. There's nothing about him that actually describes him doing anything in the Bible Yet he's mentioned 164 times in the Old Testament, and the promised land itself is named after him. Right. So those are the things that, for me, that gets That's me. That's a curiosity. All my, every, everything starts binging for me. All my sirens and alarms are going <laughs> off. I see a discrepancy like that. It's like, okay, they named this whole land after me. The, 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 the center of the universe, everything we're fighting for, even till, till, till today, was right. named after this guy. And yet there's nothing about him in the Bible. So some, there's something, again, God is saying there's something significant about him. And what I think right. is that he was the forefather of the Nephilim after the flood. And again, when we think about this cosmic chess match, what does the devil do after the flood? He goes, I'm going to put my giants right where I know God wants, his his land, his mountain. And right. all Canaan's descendants, which is why the land is named after him, because all his descendants filled that land. And so it's called the land of Canaan. And so... So one, they can be traced back to him. Two, there's something interesting about Noah when it comes to him having his own children, his three sons. So when you look at the genealogies of the patriarchs before the flood, who are Noah's ancestors, and, you know, lifespans before the flood were longer. You know, people lived to 700, 800, Adam lived 930 years. And most men, had their first child at 50 years old, 60 years old, 70 years old. And I believe that because of those prolonged lifespans, I believe people actually. Uh, hundreds of years. Puberty later. Yeah. So you're marrying and having a child much later, your first child much later. Yeah, However, absolutely. when you get to Noah, he doesn't have his first son until he's 500 years old. Now, why does that matter? He, he gets on the ark at the age of 600, when God appointed him to build the ark and command him to build the ark and told him he was going to be the person to, pre to preserve humanity, <clears throat> excuse me, God said, yet 120 years, and then he's going to judge humanity. So he gave humanity 120 year probation to repent while Noah was building the ark. 
And if they don't repent, the flood's going to come. That, that's some repenting. Just building yeah, exactly. that. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's no, hard labor, man. Yeah, no yeah. freedom. No freedom. Fifty-five for Noah. No. <laughs> so how do we know that this is really six hundred years and not sixty, and they're just counting differently? So I think, yeah, great question. I mean, I think one, it, it's it's said. Well, so yeah, it's a great question. I think I think the what what divides it from the the lifespans we have now, the flood. After mm -hmm. the flood, lifespans go down immediately. Yes. Right. So like 100 years, 130, 85, 75 years. Right. And so I, I believe what scripture is telling us is that prior to the flood, I think the environment was completely different. You know, I think I think the actual environment of the earth was like a hyperbaric environment, which okay. block UV rays, one, which is what actually ages us. Right. 90 percent of aging is just caused from UV rays. Mm -hmm. And two, um, it promotes faster healing. Right. You know, even athletes today will sit in hyperbaric chambers for hours when they have an injury to recover. And we're also told there's an interesting detail in Genesis before the flood that it never rained. Right. It says that there was a mist that came from the ground. So it was a very different physical environment. I believe prolonged lifespans. There's a great book um, by a man named Gaines Johnson. He has a great website uh, on this where he gets in, and he's a geologist and he gets really deep into what the environment would have been like and why that could lead to a much longer lifespan. And mm -hmm. then we think about it too, in the millennial kingdom, right? Which when Jesus is going to, is going to restore the earth, it's called the restoration. He's going to restore the environment, right? He says that, that the world will be like Eden again mm -hmm. in the millennial kingdom when Jesus rules for a thousand years on earth. And what do we see? <clears throat> Excuse me. Prolong prolonged lifespans. I'm yeah, bizarre. yeah, it's okay. Yeah, excuse me. That's what happens when you're talking. Yeah, checking <laughs> yeah. in yeah. air. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. In the book of Isaiah, in reference to the millennium, it says that if someone dies at a hundred, they're cursed. Right. So again, why? Because the earth is now returned back to that environment where you're, you you do live to five hundred again, or seven hundred, or a thousand years. Right. And so. So I think that's why it's not um, just like an, an, an exaggeration or metaphoric language. I believe they really did live that long and that will happen again on Earth. And so when you take into account Noah, by the time Noah had his first son, it was 20 years after God told him to build the ark and said, all flesh has corrupted itself. So then you, then you fast forward to when his sons are adults and ready to marry a woman. The odds of finding three women at that point who have no Nephilim DNA is like almost impossible because God says everything is corrupted in the earth. The animals have been hybridized. Everything is getting infected by the Nephilim DNA and the fallen angelic DNA. And when you think about Ham, who we find out later on doesn't really care about the prophecy of God, like he kind of, you know, he commits a really bad sin with Noah in the tent. And there's lots of debate over what happened there with him. All we know is Noah was drinking, mm -hmm. he was naked, and Ham committed a sin against him in the tent, right? But the, the interesting thing is, even though Ham did this to Noah, Noah, when he sobers up and he says he knew what Ham did to him, how does he respond? Mm -hmm. He curses Canaan. He doesn't punish Ham at all. He mm -hmm. curses Canaan, I believe, because Canaan was already showing 
that he had this, that he was carrying the Nephilim DNA. I think he was actually manifesting it. Now, that, 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 that's my conjecture. That's not in the Bible. Mm -hmm. However, I think there's no other, I think, the, again, I like to put evidence together and it's like, okay, so Canaan had nothing to do with it and he gets punished. All his descendants are the ones God specifically says to exterminate, who filled the promised land and are now, God says, the harem, the bad. It's, um, you know, take them out. And I believe it's because that's that's how it, it passed through in the ark. You know, and just to point out back then, even into the 16th, 17th century, people were drunk a lot because it was safer <laughs> to drink wine than it's it was true. to drink water. You're not wrong. Yeah. So yeah. I wonder yeah. about how yeah. many of those scriptures are just a little off. But because there was a lot of alcohol going on, I mean, my husband would be like, they were drinking a lot of vino, especially yeah, yeah. the Italians. So, you mm -hmm. know, the French, I mean, they they drank wine for centuries because it was and beer. safe and the beer. Egyptians yes, yes. Beer. yeah, yeah. And, I mean, and, you know, yeah, and even Jesus, right? Jesus says, I will not drink it until I drink it with you anew in my father's kingdoms. I mean, it was a part yeah. of the culture, you know, and this is real wine, it's not Welch's grape juice. This is like. No, Alcohol it's pure. Yeah. And probably really young, so it was loaded. Yeah. So, <laughs> so I, I have to ask while we're on the topic of, sure. of DNA. So what do we make of, Um, because we have two blood types. We have, mm -hmm. you know, we've got the, the, the positive blood type and the negative blood type. Yeah. So how would you differentiate the two is is would you consider one to be you know the 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 proper lineage and one to be the canaanite lineage like how do you differentiate that yeah i i don't think i don't th i don't see i don't think it's that broad i think that right the, the remnants of that dna is very okay now in 2023 is very limited i had to ask because it's there <laughs> so I had to ask because it's there. It's yeah, no, no, definitely. Yeah. yeah, no, it's a yeah. good question. What I think is um where I see more of it now, right? Because the thing about too, again, is we look at the end times and today, right? Daniel chapter two says they shall mingle themselves with the seed of men, right? So who is they? Like there's a prophecy that in the end times there's an, there's gonna be an attempt again to mingle seed. And so where I see more of it coming back is with like, you know, things we see with the UFO phenomenon. Yeah. Right? Even like you sure. mentioned earlier, we were talking about conception, right? How some people even talk about like... Well, Enoch and Ezekiel lot. talked about extraterrestrials. Yeah. Jesus yeah. Christ himself talked about extraterrestrials or UFOs. Yeah, and so I think that's where it's no... To me, it's no coincidence that so many of the abduction accounts talk about, you know surgery on your reproductive organs, implanting things in women, right? Taking seeds right. or sperm, like that's where I see- Hybridization, essentially. A lot of this, that's where, to me today, is where a right. lot of this is taking place. Right, right. So Dolly made a good point um, also, which is true. Every 6,000 years, the planet goes through a water event or a flood. Are we nearing that time again? Absolutely, you know, and and so um, so we should be worried. <laughs> yeah, yeah, wow. you know, just think about it, right? So yeah, this is more of what I cover in my second book, right? In the final Nephilim, which deals with the end times, the future, and right. I start off um, talking about in the beginning of the book uh, what I call the scroll of time, right? That God, right, existing outside of time 
that time is not linear for God. It's like a scroll where, right. you know, in a scroll, there be, like, like Jesus says, I am Alpha and Omega, beginning and the ending, right? He's the beginning and the ending at the same time. Like, what does that mean, right? Very confusing statement. But if you think about a scroll, the beginning of a scroll and the end of the scroll, the same thing. It's all rolled up. And so things are just repeating. And I believe that's what God does, is that he repeats events through time. And he can do that for various, I think he does, to, one, to prove that he can tell the future, right? God uses prophecy to prove he is God. But also it's informing us. As because God wants us to know what's going to happen in events, He says, I've mm -hmm. told you everything beforehand. So right. you know. So and right. so, so in that same sense, the events of ancient history are going to repeat. It is all, I believe it's all a cycle. And I talk I even get into a lot of quantum physics in the in my new book because there's such an overlap of events in history like what we call in the bible types and shadows right and these previews of future events and quantum entanglement that things are connected through time similar events all affect each other so yes i believe it's a cycle and yes i believe i wouldn't be surprised to see another water event happen right well i think if you're you know because now you have a lot of I mean, a lot of my christian friends will say while well, we're getting nearing the age of you know, revelations. And it just seems interesting how it, it ties in with potentially another flood, <laughs> yeah, a, yeah. a like a, a timing yeah. thing for sure. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And if you think about it too, um, even some people even look at human history as a week, right? You know, because the Bible says a day with the Lord is like a thousand years and a thousand years in a day. And it's like, yes. oh, coming up with the seventh day, right? So what's going to yeah. happen, right? So do you think we're in that thousand years where we have, you know, we're getting close? Yeah, I do. I do. I do think so. And, and what I look to when you think, because I, I get asked that question all the time: How right. close do you think we are to the end, like the real end, everything kicking off? And I, I, I actually, my perspective on that is to look at like technology, right? So, mm -hmm. John, I believe Revelation was written in probably ninety-six A.D., somewhere around there. Right. And if you look at some of the things that John writes, it's really crazy things he's writing for the first century AD, right? He right. talks about the two witnesses who are gonna preach for three and a half years and, and then they're killed. And he says that when they're killed, he says their dead bodies lay in the street for three and a half days and everybody on earth sees their bodies. Hmm. And he wrote that in 96 AD. And up until probably 15 years ago, that wouldn't have been possible. Now, everyone can just, you know, they could just, whether you're on mm -hmm. Twitter, YouTube, Switch, Twitch, you know, just pick, pick your social media app. It's very easy for a billion people to watch an event right now. Right. Easily, right? Right. On your phones, right? And so, and of course, the mark of the beast again, right? Even 20 years ago, that wouldn't have seemed possible. Of course, now with RFID chips, we have RFID tattoos. There's numerous ways that we can track buying and selling on your body pretty easily now. And well, so there isn't much left that no. can be achieved that's described in Revelation. So that's, well, what, that's what doesn't help is you have all you know the, the faithful people who who read the scriptures. But remember, some of those faithful people are in pretty high positions of power. Do you feel that perhaps? events are being created to hurry this along maybe, or to make sure certain events happen. I've always wondered about that. 
Yeah, I mean, because you think about it, right? It, it's nothing's really changed in time, right? Like it's like God always has like his. It's like the wheat and the tares. Like God has his followers, the devil has his that are planning, and God says, "Let them all grow together, mm-hmm. and I'll sort them out in the end." So there are people I think who want to usher in the end times events for bad reasons. I think people are praying for the return mm-hmm. of Jesus for good reasons. So right. it doesn't surprise me at all. And and the devil, Satan is just an angel, right? He's not God, right? He needs people. He needs support. He needs full angels. He needs technology. I think I think he actually is going to need technology to succeed, which means he's going to need people who are working with him and who are conspiring. And, and you know, and again, these spirits are out here now. Angels are here among us now. We just don't see them, mm. but they're here. They're at work. Demons are at work. So there's all these influences, inspiration. I was just saying this last week in Oklahoma City, the president, like, even look at the word mm. inspiration. It has spirit in it, right? We are, you know, we talk about the idea that all scripture is God breathed. That's breathed. So we are breathing in all sorts and receiving frequencies, vibrations from 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 depending on who you are aligned with. That's who you're getting your inspiration from. And mm-hmm. it doesn't surprise me at all that there are people conspiring to usher in the end times because they have a different agenda. Right. So when you think of a holy war, do you I mean, do you do you see this as a what's going on in the planet right now just with humankind on average or do you think it's really like hell will arise and heaven will descend that sort of a situation yeah definitely i, I definitely see it as, as as the latter right so right, when you think right. about as it was in the days of noah i think the biggest um kind of signifying trait of that error right was that what i call the veil the veil between the human and the spirit realm was removed right you had in, in the Garden of Eden, God, Adam and Eve speak to God, right? They just talk to him. Right. They talk to the devil, right? The devil, everyone is just, everything is just open, right? So there's no barrier separating the divine from the human realm. And of course, then we see later on, angels are marrying women, having children, leading, ruling kingdoms. Mm-hmm. And so I think that is what is going to, so I think what we're seeing now is a very small preview, like the wars we're seeing now and all those things like like what Jesus called the birth pangs. Mm-hmm. This is just the warm up. I, I believe what we're going to see in the Great Tribulation is going to blow people's minds because you're going to see supernatural beings openly manifesting in the earth. Like they're not going to be there is no more invisible realm anymore. They're going to be right in front of us. Right. And, you know, the amazing thing is uh, I quote a book. In my second book, I, I quote this book um, from the second century, right? Second century wow. by Hippolytus. It's called On Christ and Antichrist. It's the oldest writing that exists on, on the book of Revelation. And the amazing thing is he talks about the return of the fallen angels in, in Revelation chapter 12. It says that there's a war in heaven and Michael casts out he evicts Satan and his fallen angels. <clears throat> and they're out forever. And then it says, woe to the inhabitants of the earth because the devil has come upon you because now they're here. Mm. And Hippolytus, you know, writing about that, he he says, when he, he says when those angels come, he said they're going to be beautiful, the fallen angels, and he said they're going to be singing beautiful hymns, floating in the sky, dazzling us with light, and then he says, and they're going to they're going to point to the Antichrist and say like, here's your savior, and to me, that's how I see it, right? I, that's how I see the end times, like it's going to be 
one, supernatural, but two, a deception like no one's ever seen before. Because I don't think they're going to come guns blazing with fangs and blood dripping no. and trying to kill us. They're going to come to try and fool us into saying, we're here for you. And that right. ends to me, if we're going to see like the culmination, if we ever see a culmination of like an, of uh, the UFO phenomenon, it's, it'd be so easy to say, yes, we're from another planet. We're here to help you evolve. We seeded you on Earth 7,000 years ago. And now we are back to make you homo novus, homo sapien 2.0 and all these things, right? And so I think what's going to happen in time is way beyond what we're seeing today. It's much more out, like out of like an Avengers movie than the wars we're seeing today. Right, right. It's so fascinating, you know, that, that you even say this. When I was you know, 14 years old, my aunt had a friend who was a Catholic priest and he was all, he was a cool priest, right? Everybody mm -hmm. loved this guy. He was young and he was, he was just really open-minded. And um, of course, you know, my, my aunt was always so worried about my wild ways, meaning I just, I was disobedient. I just, no, I'm going to hang out with my friends. You know, I didn't really do much more than that. <laughs> But, <laughs> yeah. but I was defiant. So sure. um, they had Father Don speak to me. And he said to me, clearly similarities to what you're saying. He said, you know, he said, do you have any, any questions about religion? I said, not really. I just didn't have a, an interest in it at all. But it's not that I didn't believe. It just was the age. I was 14, you know. And um, he said, he started talking about end times. And he said, people will be fooled. You know, don't be fooled by all the talk of of UFOs and extraterrestrials. And I'm thinking, what an odd thing to say <laughs> yeah. out of nowhere. Because back then, I was, you know, I I was an experiencer, but I didn't have any recollection, and, and it was nothing that was talked about. I, I didn't remember most of the time. But he also started talking about different signs that the Pope would see, that only the Pope would see, that you know, people of faith would see and experience and how you had to be very cautious and, and, you know, and then he tried to scare me and it's like, you know, <laughs> hell will arise, heaven will descend. You have to run for cover. And I'm just going, but what if I don't run for cover? Cause you really are defined. <laughs> <laughs> but it was just interesting to me that you mentioned the UFO phenomena and yeah. this is something because I'm not going to age myself, but I'm aging myself by saying when I was 14, that's not something that you would have really spoken about. So they were yeah, obviously yeah, yeah. trained about like for this very early on. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and, and trust me, that priest, he was he was ahead of his time. I mean, that's to be talked to bring to bring that up so quickly in the context of the end times, but because now we're seeing so much, right? I and mean, there's so much disclosure. Congress right. having hearings, right? It's we're being prepared for some important announcement. I think you know where we, there's so right. many military officers saying they've seen UFOs, you know, on a regular basis or UAPs. And so, yeah, but I think tying it into to scripture, that's what it's about. I, I I think that I agree that it's much more of a deception, and it's much more presenting themselves as the saviors, right? At the end of the day, even. The title Antichrist means substitute Christ. It's not mm. someone who wants to just hurt Christians. He wants to replace the Messiah for Christians. That's what, that's his goal. It's all about deceiving and tricking and standing in the place. And I think even offering, right? You know, I think even 
you know, when you look in Revelation, it says that the Antichrist, that he receives a deadly wound and is healed, that he's going to die and come back to life, right? So he's going to mimic everything mm -hmm. about Jesus. And that's in the world is like, whoa, who's like him? No one can make war with him. There's nobody like him. And if he has all these fallen angels and interstellar alien beings saying, yes, he's the one, mm -hmm. well, what's the world going to do? They say, yeah, he's got to be the one. Right. And so I think that's much more what's going to take place in the end times rather than like, again, like someone putting a gun to right. Saying, hey, no, for sure. For sure. Right. Any thoughts on who are the, the mimic will be in this <laughs> day and age? I don't want to put you in the hot seat or anything, but curiosity. As well, you I'll know. give you an interesting theory on his identity since he is, I believe he is the final Nephilim. So, uh, which is my, which is my second book, right? So it's all about the. And we'll uh, we'll have you back on for that. Yeah, but but I do. So I'll say that, right? So what I do is, you know, you look going back to the start of the Bible again. God told the devil about the seed of the woman, but He said, "I'm going to put war between her seed and your seed." So I think literally the devil is going to have an offspring, right? And uh, you know. And I believe his actual son is going to be the Antichrist. And that he will literally, just like in Genesis 6, he's going to literally, what happened to Jesus said, as it was in the days of Noah, what happened in the days of Noah, you had angels conceiving hybrid offspring. Oh. And I believe that's what he's literally going to do to birth the Antichrist. So I don't know his name and who that might be, but I believe that his origin is going to be as the literal seed of the serpent. Hmm. In the movie The Omen, the, the it's Damien, but Isn't um, amazing that? Isn't that, right? that film is based on the story of bringing him back. So yeah, isn't that right? Yeah. Or Rosemary's Baby, right? These were movies. I mean, isn't that? You know, I can't watch that movie. It's so silly. Yeah, right. Yes, yes, yes. Devil's right? Advocate did a better job at it, but they right, right. the there same story. Yeah. The yeah, same yeah. story. Yeah. <laughs> And his son's oh, yeah. perfect in every ways. Never, never loses a case. Never, nothing goes wrong. It's like, yeah. <laughs> exactly, exactly, right. And so you know, and it's no to me no coincidence that that story is repeated, right? Every few years or ten years, we get another story about mm. some woman being selected to have the devil's child, who is the Antichrist. And I think again, like many times, Hollywood's like ahead of the church and telling and figuring things out, right? And, and I think. And I think that's where it's ultimately leading. Right. Yeah, I believe you. Yeah. Um, you make, because I know we're slowly inching on our time, um, you make reference to Jesus in the, the Nephilim. Um, mm -hmm. What do you find? What did you find out about that interaction? Yeah, so what's great is, you know, when you study again these the wars, right? So we see the Nephilim come back after the flood. And in the book right. of Joshua, the interesting thing, again, when you look at the little details, is with the Israelites are getting ready to go fight a war. God's commanding them, tells Joshua, be, be of good courage, and all these things. But when it comes to the actual battle, it is God going first. God is literally fighting the enemy Canaanite armies. And the Israelites are coming in behind it. It says, and it says the angel of the Lord, who I believe that is Jesus. Jesus, I believe that is a reference to the pre-incarnate Jesus in the Old Testament, right? You know, uh, God says, uh, we see the angel of the Lord speak to Moses at the burning bush. And two verses later, it says, and God spoke, right? Mm -hmm. God says, I'm yeah. sending my angel. 
He can forgive you. Believe in him. He has the power to forgive. Only Jesus has the power to forgive. So I believe that's Jesus literally fighting and waging war against the Nephilim. And if you think about it, this is another way we know this is what happened in Scripture. Because every time the Nephilim are present, God, like, intervenes directly. Mm-hmm. Whether it's the flood, the wars in Canaan, before they get to Canaan, they're fighting against uh, King Og and King Sihon when Moses was still alive. And they say, they say King Og's bed was 13 feet long, which means he was probably 11 to mm-hmm. 12 feet tall, right? Mm-hmm. And, and so, and it says that God went and slew his king, his armies, and then the Israelites come in and kind of just get all the people who are retreating and clean them up. And so that's why I call Jesus Christ the Nephilim because Jesus is the one fighting them, right? And what right. I also explain is the spirits, when a Nephilim dies, their spirit, those are the demons in the Bible, right? A demon and a fallen angel are completely different entities in Scripture. Okay. Okay. So that's, and I go, and that's interesting. Those differences. Yeah. Like when we talked about, right? Like earlier, we talked about angels having bodies, right? They eat food, they get their feet washed, all this stuff. Demons don't have bodies. Right. They have to go find bodies. That's why they're always trying to possess people, right? They don't have their own bodies. Right. Um, angels, even fallen angels, are always spoken of with respect, right? The Apostle Paul calls them principalities, powers. Um, mm. In the book of Jude, it says that the archangel Michael and the devil were arguing over Moses' body. And it said that Michael, who's an archangel, wouldn't dare make an accusation directly to the devil. He said the Lord rebuked. So even he respected Satan and he's an archangel, right? And so Whereas demons are called filthy, unclean. We can just tell them, get out of this person. Like, oh, right, they're party mouse. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But the amazing thing that connects it all to Jesus is what do we see? And in, in the Gospels now, when Jesus is on earth, and notice when Jesus is on earth, there's a ton of demonic activity. Demons are everywhere, mm-hmm. right? So it's how it's going to be right before he comes back, right? The veil is getting removed when he's on earth. Yes. What happens when someone's possessed and they, and they're, someone's possessed by a demon and Jesus comes. They say, you're Jesus. You're the Christ. You're the son of God. They know who he is immediately when they see him and they're scared to death. Why? And I always wondered that even as a child, I'm like, how do they know who he is? They immediately say, you are the son of God. You are the Christ. And they're like, basically, don't punish me. Have you come to punish me? Because he was the one who killed them. 3,000 years earlier in the land of Canaan when when Joshua had his armies there. So that's how they know who he is. They know exactly who he is. Mm -hmm. And they're scared to death of him, right? Because he was the one who killed them in the Old Testament as the angel of the Lord. And so it's just amazing that they have, again, the story of the Nephilim really connects all throughout the Bible. Yeah. In the New Testament. In deliverance and exorcism, it's always the pro- the power of Christ compels you. Amen. Right? It's the yeah. name, and, right? And, and that that name, the name of Jesus scares them. And isn't it interesting, right? When you thought, I'm so glad you brought that up because isn't it interesting when you look at the man who's possessed by thousands of demons, right? When they said, My name is Legion, because we are many, right? Alone, right. Alone yeah. thousands of men. So you get thousands of demons in him. And Jesus cast them out. And first of all, they say, it's very interesting. First, they say, don't put us in the abyss, right? Which is where the angels who fathered the Nephilim were. So they were like, don't send us where our dads are. 
We don't want to go to that prison. Mm-hmm. And Jesus, what does he do? He puts them in pigs, right? He puts them, he casts them into swine. And what do those pigs do? They run into the water and drown. It's like a reenactment of the judgment in the days of Noah. They go and die in the, in the water. Now this is, this is killing me, twisting me, because I didn't know that. Um, and in the story of Father Gabriel Marth in the Pope's Exorcist, he casts a demon into a pig. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. And it's it's Oz. Yeah. I'm not going to say the name. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, right. I never well, repeat the names. I start yeah. with bits. I'm just not. I don't do yeah, that. Yeah, no, I understand. I, but I yeah, I don't yeah, like to go. give credit to anything. But um, yeah, there you go. Yeah. But well, just, we'll say he's. He was saying he's. He's Nephilim. Yes. He was Nephilim, yes. obviously. You know, he was the um, the first of two hundred. Uh, yeah. Like the first. Yeah. Oh, he was wow. the first of two hundred that um, Father oh, yeah, yeah, Gabriel yeah, yeah. Moore. I'm with you. I'm with you. Yeah, he set up the school of exorcism at the Vatican. In the movie, they use that name. They use the name, and I'm oh, like, "This is Hollywood. Wow. This is Hollywood." Really wow! Wow! Oh, find... That's why I said to Michelle, "I'm dying to go back to his book to see to if he says anything there, or if it's just something Hollywood put there." But, no, he but talks if you think about, about the 200. It, that that same being is has been through history. He was the one who fooled Solomon. Mm. He was the one who sits at the entrance of a church in the south of France. There's a statue of him. Wow. Like there's well, a very significant in in all of that, you know, like they're 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 key players through through history and through yeah. time and through lineages. And um it's fascinating. But, um one last question. There is there is a theory, there is it is talked about um by some theologians and 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 people of who find the study of or the research of, of the demonic or the the fallen ones, especially the fallen ones, do you think there's any remorse? Because there's a belief that there is remorse and some of them do wish to find a way back. Yeah, sure. So, you know, I, I kind of talk about this um, and the way I talk about it is like, right, when we talk about the sin nature, right? That we have this sin nature in us. And, you know, the Bible says been really fascinating, right? That we actually inherit it, right? It says in Adam all die. That mm-hmm. we literally are inheriting this propensity for sin in our flesh genetically, right? Mm-hmm. And so, and I think that's, and I think that's exactly what the Bible's saying. That it's literally passed on in our flesh, this desire to be wicked. All, every human being. I'm right? going to use that at next confession. Just saying. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. And so, <laughs> Can you imagine? <laughs> but father. Right? <laughs> and so, and what I say is like, because because of why are the Nephilim so evil, right? Like, why are they so bad? Uh, because God, look, if you look at the world before the flood, it says it's filled with There's war everywhere. And I believe that in a fallen angel, when they fall and they become flesh, because it says man also is flesh, that they, their spirit that gets to corrupted and depraved is way worse than ours because they're more powerful than us. And so I think that's why the Nephilim were so evil. And when you think about it too, as we became more 
corrupted with Nephilim genetics in days of Noah. Look what it says. There's an interesting statement in Genesis 6. It says that the thoughts of man were only evil continually. I mean, think about that. Twenty-four. I mean, think about like I mean, I, like for example, for me, like like I, I love good food. I love sports. Like, I, like there are lots of things I think about that aren't godly, but they're not evil either. Right. 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 And so it's like, but thinking about twenty-four-seven, you're just thinking about hurting somebody, stealing something, robbing, you know, something bad. Like that is. Mm-hmm. That's a really powerful statement. And so I think that it's more, I, I would submit that it's way harder for right. an angel to feel remorse than a human being. Right. And then you look at the one example we have, the devil just doesn't stop. So they you know, gave away he, narcissism at the gates. It, it, exactly. Yeah. And still thinks he's going to win, right? To the, yeah. till now, still thinks he's going to win mm-hmm. at the end of the day and rule heaven and earth. And so. <laughs> So I think it's much harder. I think they're the king, nature. The and king of all narcissists. They're, they're the offspring. Yeah. They have like a double sin nature. Right. Well, because, I mean, they were so cl- they're close to God. I'm sorry? They're so close to God. You know, exactly. So I think well, Lucifer was his favorite. He was very yeah. disappointed in him. He yeah. was yeah. his favorite. I, I, I That's why that. he named him Lucifer. He named mm-hmm. him Light, which is Luce. So, right. yeah. Right. So... Yeah, we're, we're there. We went, you know, we went longer just for you because we had yeah, to do yeah, this. Okay, it's all good. So Thank tell, you for being here. Tell us um, where to to find your book. Yes. Um, where can they purchase book, it? Nathalie. Thanks for putting the cover up. I just hey, can't get this. Beautiful. At, at, thank you so much. I appreciate that. Um, at judgmentofthenethylene.com, which is my website. You can find um, my books there. I, I have study guides for the books. I do lots of research. So people came to me at conferences and said, you got to make study guides. So if you want to get deep into the content or study with your church or your small group or alone, you have that. And then if you want to get the book in a night, I have documentaries on both books. So Judgment of Nephilim, Secrets of the Pre-Flood World, and the Final Nephilim Battle of Her Heaven and Earth, which are on digital on demand and in DVD. Uh, it's also on Amazon. And then all my socials, my Instagram, my Facebook, my YouTube channel are all judgment of the Nephilim, one word. Nice. Beautiful. Beautiful cover. Thank you. Well, thank you yeah. <laughs> for coming on and joining us. And uh, still got a good amount of time in there, thankfully. But I will yes. be in touch with you because I would I would like to um, invite you back on, on both of our behalves to talk about the second book and, um, you know, do the, a full two hour segment. On That'd that. be great. I, I would love to come back on. You ladies will get me for the full two hours. I promise yeah. we'll make it happen. Yes. No, that, no <laughs> I love it. I love and, it. And tell your wife, thank you for letting you go for an hour unexpectedly. <laughs> yeah, to us. We're sorry that we interrupted, but no, thank no, you. It's all good. It's all good. This is great. This is great. I, I really appreciate this awesome program. So thank you for having thank me. You. Oh, thank you. Oh, pleasure. You've thank been you. wonderful. So I, I will be in touch. Excellent, excellent. Thank you. Take care. Have a great night. Have a great weekend. Good night. Well, that is the end of an extra long segment of the outer realm. And um boy, that was was interesting topic of conversation. And I would love to get into part two because it gets into stuff that's going on today. We may actually have to go to private mode. 
for mm, that. I think so. Potentially. Yeah. But anyway, <laughs> so thanks to everybody who hung in with us. Part one was a, an interesting open mic. Part two, of course, was uh, Ryan Peterson, who was speaking, of course, about his book, The, the Judgment of the Nephilim. The next book is The Final Nephilim. So that's going to be super interesting um, as well. So look it up. In the meantime, go to Amazon or go to his website and get the book. It's mm -hmm. it's it's sounds like it's full of twists and turns and a There's lot of a fun. lot of information in there. Yeah. So big thank you to Folgers Coffee for sponsoring the show. Big thank you to Dr. Snick, aka Justin Snicker. Big thank you to Steve McGinnis. We appreciate you all so much. I am tongue-tied and tired. I appreciate each and every one of you. As I know Amelia does, we love seeing you in chat. You make the show that much more fun and interactive, which is very important to us. So thank you. Tomorrow night, we're going to have fun with this on Bubbles. Tomorrow night, yep. we welcome for the very first time Pat O'Connell. Mm -hmm. She's going to be talking about her book called Bleed Through, a oh, true yes. story of aliens, demons, and pure evil in Texas. There you go. So a true story with a twist show shocking you'll never see it coming for three years texas aircraft repair shop owner clay wheeler witness of a ray of paranormal phenomenon at sparks county airport that hmm. make the events at catch this utah skinwalker ranch pale by comparison oh my goodness including ufos aliens poltergeist demonic possession and plain old murder a lot of airports i know bring that up with her tomorrow right a lot now, of airports a team is forming to finish the investigation and find out what if any evidence is really buried out there <laughs> it's got everything so excellent for spooky mud so yes. guys Thank you for tuning in, and we shall see you tomorrow night. Good night.